I'm John Underhill, and this is the Red Special Guitar Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, today on the Red Special Guitar Podcast, we have a friend of mine from longer than I probably care to remember. He started off by trying to sell me a gold G-string, and he now has a guitar shop in Wales that is arguably the most reputable guitar shop in Wales and supplies Brian May with all of his equipment and strings, most importantly. Andrew Morgan, hello, how are you? How are you doing, John? Yeah, I'm good, mate. Are you well and... Um, I can see you. Your hair is is doing very well. It's it's month thirteen and it's it's thicker and more um, uh, it's it's thicker and con- more uncon- uncontrollable than ever. It, it's um it's getting in my eyes. We're we're currently moving the shop around quite a bit um because we got the opportunity to. We're in lockdown and there's perfect opportunity to do the things that you don't generally get to do. So I'm kind of on my knees unwiring things and screwing things up and it's just getting my eyes and it's absolutely, um, yeah, it's doing my nothing. <laughs> <laughs> it's hot. It's like wearing two hats to bed. It's, nice. Uh, mm. Keeps you warm then in those uh, cold winter Welsh nights. Yeah, yeah. And it has been cold as well, but um, I, I'm going to get it cut as soon as I get the opportunity to. And if I don't get it cut, I think Kate's going to cut it off in the middle of the night. So it's, um, yeah. <laughs> I think it's my hair she's talking about anyway. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it probably was. So Andy, yeah. um, we go back a long way, as I mentioned. We do. You and I probably bumped into each other on the, the old Brian Maywald forum, I'd have thought. And yeah, the old black and red one. Um, yeah. Run by, do you know, who was it? Um, is it Gonzalo or something? It might have been, yeah. I forget now. That's bad, isn't it? It's... Yeah. There, there are a couple of... It's strange, isn't it? You know, through kind of Red Special Land, you know, through the ages, you know, you've got some kind of names that have been prominent in different kind of eras, haven't you? And there's a... I think it's Gonzalo Plaza. Is that... Yeah, ring name? Bell. Bell with you? Yeah. I remember back in... Uh, 1997 or 1998 when I first had uh, Virgin dial-up uh, internet and um, just you know searching on whatever it was Ask Jeeves or, or whatever and you know Red Special or Brian May whatever and um, his name came up quite a bit and he had like a, a website that was just loads of information on Guild guitars which yeah uh, and um, I, I think he had that Brian May World website like, I'm not sure, but it changed hands a few times. And then we kind of, as you said, you know, we kind of got in touch via that, I think. And you, myself, and Greg Coxill all became self-employed on the first day of January 2006. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. It's a big moment, all egged on by each other. And we... uh, from memory, MSN was a big thing, and we used to spend up until 1, 2 a.m. every, every night, night. Yeah, three of us chatting on MSN. Yeah, and it was interesting because, you know, we are all... It was almost like holding hands and jumping off the cliff at the same time, wasn't it? Um, yeah. The, the Thelma and Louise and plus one or whatever. Um, and, <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it was... It's a scary thing for anybody to go through, but, you know, it was nice. Even though we were doing quite separate and different things, you know, I... 
was concentrating on the retail and you know I was trying to distribute these you know the bits that I, I was doing Greg was uh, manufacturing you know he was making the electrolyte yeah. products and you were out there on the front line kind of uh, doing uh, the trade weren't you you know and wiring um, houses badly yeah <laughs> <laughs> we won't go into the reasons why you're not doing it anymore like yeah or, or why you had or why you had to move house out of the last place yeah exactly yeah yeah <laughs> and it burnt down <laughs> but um yeah it, it was there was something quite comforting about the three the three of us going through the same bs at the same time wasn't it yeah you know, like it's equally exciting and uh terrifying at the same time definitely and it is um i mean it feels like only yesterday when you say it like that but when you think back it feels like a very long time ago as well different it's era. 15 years ago it's a big chunk of anybody's life you know but um you know being as young as us as well <laughs> good job we we all started when we were 16 and uh... exactly exactly <laughs> <laughs> no i wish but no it's um yeah lots of things happen don't they yeah well um i've never actually asked you which is really bad of me considering we've been good friends for such a long time but can you remember the first time you heard queen music brian may music and and you kind of realized that you fell in love and then you you started what was your journey to finding the guitar out and yeah well um so there's always been music on in um in the house you know whether um I was staying at my grandmother's house or whether I was staying at my, or whether, you know, just at my, um, growing up in the family home, there was always the radio one. And, you know, back then radio one, I've got absolute distinct memories of, you know, radio one, you know, when I was two or three around about, you know, 1982, 1983, you'd have, um, Simon Bates doing the kind of, uh, love story in the morning with that, that, that music going on. And, you know, like, you know, Janice is about to kill herself because, you know, Terry doesn't love her anymore and all this kind of thing. And just remember that that music went on. But, you know, Radio 1 back in the early 80s was a brilliant radio station. And, you know, you used to have, I've got a deep love of 80s music and it all comes from my childhood. So things like, you know, Tears of Fears and Thompson Twins and, um, you know, all the good stuff from, from you know, the early to mid 80s, you know, just kind of ingrained and I've got distinct memories of you know being four years old and sitting on my mum's lap doing the Radio Gaga claps you know and that um so you know Queen weren't necessarily identified as a, a band that I absolutely liked you know my first record was Kim Wilde um <laughs> uh I can't remember it is that where you get the, the inspiration for the hair from? For the hair, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so I think You Keep Me Hanging On, Kim Wilde was the first record that my mum ever got me kind of thing. And, um, it, you know, there'd be certain songs I'd absolutely fall in love with. But, um, you know, there's distinct kind of periods of my childhood where I remember Queen music being played and played the distinct, distinct part. Um, I started... My parents had... Um, a few Queen albums between them. My dad had Queen 2 and Sheer Heart Attack, which Queen 2 was his absolute favourite um, album and um, of, of Queen's. But he only had those two albums. He wasn't really interested in the, the latest stuff, um, really. And my mum had Night of the Opera. And, you know, they both said they, 
you know, really love Queen, but they didn't own any of the greatest hits albums or anything like that. And yeah. um, the same as a lot of people around about my age, a little bit younger, a little bit older, when Freddie died, there was just an explosion of interest of Queen. And um, my, I had a cousin who was really massively into Queen and he was in the fan club and he went to um, Magic Tour concert and I think the Works concert as well. And um, he was in, I think he was in the Friends Will Be Friends video and um, all that kind of thing in the crowd. So he was a, a mega fan. He had all these picture discs and whenever we went around to his house, we still looked at those. But um, I seriously got into Queen, I reckon, Probably about, um, I, I'd say probably before Freddie died, but kind of obsessively, I, I use obsessively, not quite as uh, serious as, as you might kind of come across, but I, I really did, you know, start um, loving Queen and delving into the back catalogue and everything once Freddie kind of um, died, which is a shame in many reason uh, in, in many cases that you know you're only discovering these things after such a massive character is gone but at the same time i was only 11 and you know i was never likely to go to a concert before then you know so um so yeah you know they've always been part of the you know the the soundtrack kind of growing up and everything but um yes yeah, from when freddie died is when i started taking a real interest in it and it's when i decided to start playing guitar yeah so would you so coming on to that, was it Queen music or was it other just general music that inspired you to pick up the guitar? Was it a combination of events? Uh, it, and... Yeah, it was Queen music. And um, there was always a guitar hanging about uh, in, I think my dad was given a guitar at some point and he, uh, he didn't know how to tune it. He used to play, um, you know, I used to be, I remember being in the bathroom when I was really young and him asking him to play Postman Pat on the guitar and basically he'd play the um he'd play Smoke in the Water on one string on the E string but make it sound like Postman Pat to be Postman Pat, Postman Pat, Postman Pat and Black and White Cat. And um, <laughs> and um and I thought that. Yeah, I know. I, it's, what a mashup. <laughs> <laughs> and uh you know i thought you could play guitar off the back of that but then you know when i took this guitar along to a guitar teacher that my parents put me in for a lesson um in uh our local town and i went there for a half hour guitar lesson and he told me <laughs> i remember him looking at me and saying all of these strings are tuned to the same note yeah what and so he tuned up properly for me and that's as much as we did with the guitar that day he just wrote a few things down on paper and he showed me how the keys on the note on the on the keyboard relate to the notes on the guitar and you just think we haven't picked up a guitar this is boring so i didn't bother going back and i put the guitar down for about six months and then i uh, went into cardiff um one saturday bought a book of queen songs and started a crazy little thing called love and just started working my way kind of through there and you know that that's how i kind of started i taught myself and it was via that kind of um that songbook yeah similar story it's quite interesting how similar your story is to lots of other people that i've spoken to and will speak Absolutely. to on my own story yeah you know listening to you know the previous episodes that you've put up it's the eye-opening thing is that you know there's a john underhill and an andrew morgan and a and a gervin and a jonathan in 
every town of certainly you know Europe I think you know like Queen has such a, a massive um uh reach and you know they seem to have grabbed the attention of all of us in exactly the same way and yeah you know we're all individual but we all seem to be following this very very oddly coincidental kind of uh journey don't we we do it's um it's quite nice it's lovely I mean that's I think why we all get on so well when we meet up and um have a chat and the why the meetups work so well because they're based around who's going there and around the people sharing their stories and I think that's um definitely comes across when you actually sit down and meet like talk to us and yeah absolutely it's um yeah just kind of touching on what I said a little bit earlier you know there seems to be characters that have come and gone from all different uh, parts of the world and you know I think the first meetup that we went to the first one I went to was 2007 I think it was in Aylesbury was it it was at Matt Wickham that's the three of us shared a hotel room yeah <laughs> no you need to clarify who the three of us are yeah sorry yeah. <laughs> rock roxy from the bar wasn't it no it was um <laughs> um no, it was uh, uh the three musketeers is greg cox yeah. yourself and me and uh calling the age rank i got the single bed and uh you did you, and you two um one of us was one of us is on the floor and the other one of us is on the, the pull-out sofa that's not my business, mate. All I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. funny that 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 whole day was pretty surreal because you'd bought along. Um, we're jumping ahead a little bit, but you'd bought along the Pete Cornish pedalboard system, mm. the whole giant floorboard and the rack mount. And my dream, yeah. would be, I'd been pouring over images of this this stupid pedalboard and listening to different song um, different live versions with it on and watching the one vision video where he's using it Mm. and speaking to pete cornish and you'd bought it along water damaged and that night because it didn't it was already damaged just as a disclaimer (laughs) 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 but that that night you're like i I don't know where to put it and um so part of that system spent the night in my car (laughs) yeah yeah we we, i think the logic was you know let's the thing is you know they were early days for us as well. And that was the first time that I'd been entrusted with something. Honestly, I don't know if we're kind of jumping ahead, but it doesn't really matter. Yeah. But um, it was the, the first time that I'd been entrusted with something from Pete and Brian. And just, you know, there is a, um, you know, what a nerve wracking thing to, yeah. you know, uh, you know, I, I was, I uh, felt very, very um, privileged and, you know, it, you, you can't help but think, a little bit of yourself, uh, knowing that um, you've been entrusted with such a massive part of history, you know. Definitely. Um, it, you know, the strange thing is, is that you know, fifteen years or well, thirteen years on, whatever it is now, especially after things like the um, you know the movies come out and all the rest of it, you do wonder whether things like that have a much tighter, you know, security kind of uh, aspect of it. You know, I don't know if I'd be able to do that. And no, you know, it's um, yeah everything does seem to have rocketed in probably just going off a little bit. There was a, a flight case that um, David Gilmore sold, you know, when he sold all his guitars going back, but three years ago, the, um, you know, the number one strat and the black strat and all yep. the rest of it. Um, one of the pink Floyd flight cases, which looks like just a bog standard flight case was 
it went for like 45 grand and pete has uh, pete and brian have given us the old guitar kind of flight case that used to hold all the um the backup guitars you know, like the birch and the um you know the 12 strings and all the rest of it from the queen days you can see this flight case on the um the news of the world um documentary and he said you know we don't use it for touring much anymore you're welcome to have it in the shop and i got this thing in, in so I'm, I'm sure that I, I think that they give it to me literally about two weeks after the the gilmore sale and i'm sure that if they'd known about that they wouldn't have uh, it, it wouldn't be sat in my shop at the moment but um no. you know there's a, this last five years or so it seems that there's been a real appreciation of all this um gear that has got real historical uh, value yeah definitely i remember at the time that that pedal board coming in and that that rack unit and that thing played you know on all it was of on the, the stage most, at like, live aid yeah it was on the stage at live aid it was on the stage at eight, wembley 86 so that whole magic tour it was used for it's used to record one vision it's bright i know it's daft but brian's played through it and stood on it and it's created all those wonderful tracks and yeah. there it is one in your car and then two spending the night in my car <laughs> <laughs> yeah no absolutely and it's um and you know the strange thing is is that you know we, you can't do anything with it you know like it, no, it, it doesn't. so, so the, the story behind that was that from what i gathered um the uh, in but after the um the magic tour um and like i say this is a story that i've been told and whether it's 100 true or not i don't know but uh, everything got put into storage i think they owned uh a lockup or a hangar somewhere with all the old queen gear and lights and all the rest of it. And um, the roof had a leak. And unfortunately, um, I think the cross were using quite a lot of gear as well out of this hangar, this warehouse. And so things got moved, maybe didn't get put back and all the rest of it. And um, this pedal board suffered um, water damage because of a leaky roof. And um, yeah, you know, it kind of breaks your heart when you think about it but yeah you know I, I know that Nigel's been well he did look at it a year or two ago I don't know if that was with an eye to restoring it or or what but um it's a shame for it not to you know at least be attempted to be restored isn't it yeah it, I mean it's one of those things where you look at it and go, it probably needs to go in a museum somewhere mm. and this is the the pedal board from Live Aid and you know something should be done with it for sure because it is such an iconic thing if in, yeah. in our community especially i mean the amount of times i watched that gig and watched like trying to figure out what lights were on on it and um yeah which bits he was using had he had anything else plugged into it at the time and yeah all that really geeky boring stuff that makes you know better at playing guitar but you feel better about yourself because you've noticed <laughs> <that>. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, the interesting thing is that, um, you know, because there was like, I, I, I struggled to remember and I did take some pictures, but I think people took, some people took better pictures. And, but there was like this box that it went to, wasn't it? There was um, a yeah, big routing unit, like a. Yeah, that's like right. Yeah. Which kind of went out to the different apps then, wasn't it? And yeah. Yeah. So there's one this big giant like table sized pedal board with a multi core cable plugged into this box that was sat behind him that was where all the amps were plugged into and yeah yeah no it's pretty cool and you know Pete yeah. Cornish built that 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 thing nowadays 
those things are worth an absolute fortune. In I was going to say, you know, given the charges, 400 quid or whatever it is for a booster, can you imagine how much of that would cost? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. No. Right. So we've jumped ahead a bit, but going back, we're a sure. young Andy Morgan has picked up the guitar and he's now decided that he wants to own a Red Special. How, how do you go about finding out about what's available and what's that well, that story like? Yeah, so um, I started playing on the acoustic and um, then found out that my dad had a Hofner um, up the attic of his dad's house and we went around my granddad's and dug this on the attic and um, <laughs> it, it was a great guitar, this Hofner. You know, it was it was thinner than a um, than an acoustic, much thinner. Very, it was actually called a very thin. So you know, it was, it was a very thin guitar. Yeah. And um, you know, if you turned it to its side, so you could only see the side, you did a certain pose in the mirror, in the mirror or the the window. It looked a little bit like a red special, but it wasn't a red special. So, um, <laughs> and this thing, it was, you know, the, the scratch plate was held in place with a like some kind of really. It was a rusty nail kind of sticking out the side of it, and it's meant to kind of be pinned into the bridge or something, and this come loose and. The amount of I should have had a tetanus, but the amount of times I drew blood because of this guitar was unreal. But I was playing it, and it was a hollow body, and um, it, it was you know it was much easier to play than the acoustic because it had a really nice action on it and everything. But it it wasn't a solid body electric guitar. Um, and you know, looking at the inner you know album cover of uh, Great Sits Two, you see you know all these shots of Brian live with this red guitar and. Um, uh, I think it was for my 13th birthday or something. My dad um, said, right, you know, have you thought about maybe getting an electric, you know, a proper electric guitar for Christmas? And I, my birthday is quite close to Christmas as well. So I said, oh, I'd love that. Yeah. And he said, what do you want? And um, obviously within reason, you know, and um, I said, oh, I, I don't know what Brian May plays. And so we went into, um, into Cardiff and there's a fantastic shop there called Cranes, which is gone now. And, uh, went in there and asked one of the guys there said what does Brian May use he says oh he uses a red special and I said right uh, how, how do we get one of those he said well he, he made it you can't get one and uh, I think coincidentally um, a guitar magazine was doing um, a, a feature on Brian with Nuna Betancourt I think and it showed a lot of pictures of this guitar and he, he talked about it in there and um, so I started learning a bit about the guitar that way and um, just realized that um there's no way you could get hold of um, one of these. So I had um, my first proper guitar of my own was um, a Honer, because um, Honer uh, had a manufacturing plant in Caerphilly, which is just up the road from uh, where I live. And um, dad knew some of the people who worked there and they put together this really lovely 59 copy Les Paul. And um, Gonna cut a minute. I'm gonna get the pop shield because I'm popping a lot. I can hear in my thing. Right, so give me a second. <laughs> give me a second. This is gonna look great on YouTube. I should have said at the beginning as well, if we mess up, we just go back and it makes no difference because I can just cut it out. Oh, okay. 
Yeah. So, pop, 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 that's better. Um, so, where we got to? Um, oh, no, your dad had yeah. knew someone at home there and they built you a lovely 59 Les Paul copy. That's right. So, it was a great guitar. You know, it's a heavy chunk of a guitar, as Les Pauls are, and it gives you that rock sound, you know, the, the nice kind of... And I was into Led Zeppelin and Clapton and all that kind of thing. So, um, it really did suit my needs and you know I really love this guitar but um again you know you'd catch your reflection in the in the window when you're playing at night up in your bedroom and you know just dreaming that it's a red special and um I then bought Guitarist magazine when they reviewed the the Guild 93 and just was dribbling over it any guitar magazine that came out that had this Guild 93 on it um I was just, I had to buy the magazine because it was just the most gorgeous guitar ever. Then uh, went to my first ever gig, Brian May in uh, the ice rink in uh, in Cardiff. And he had um, obviously his guitar. I was at the front row, didn't stop jumping for the entire uh, gig. Even during the love of my life, I think I still kind of jumping. I must have gone the tits <laughs> of everybody around me. And But um, he had that um, lovely kind of uh, Guild 93 prototype there and you know, knowing that his guitars are one-off, you know, you set your, you know, you could, okay, you know, that's never going to happen. But, you know, that guild is just the mutts nuts. It is to die for it. You know, all the photography on it looked absolutely beautiful. And, you know, then you, you know, you read the reviews and then you get to the end bit and it was 1795, I think it was, or 1895 with a hard case. And you just think, you know, I'm 13, I'm 14 years old. There's no way you're going to get one of those. And, you know, my my parents kind of, I, very privileged, you know, growing up, that, you know, they, whatever they could do for me, they would, you know, they, you know, they worked hard and, you know, they loved the fact that um, I played an instrument. My grandparents loved the fact that I played an instrument and, you know, it was, um, you know, I was never into sports, you know, music was my thing. I'd, I'd have more pleasure stay in my room playing guitar for an entire evening than I would going out with, you know, going out playing football or anything like that, my friends. So, um, you know, knowing that these guitars were limited to X amount of pieces as well, it just wasn't going to happen. And, um, you know, you just kind of forget about it. And for my 16th birthday, I saved up half and my parents provided me, and my parents uh, paid half and I had a Fender Stratocaster for my 16th birthday. And, you, you know, you start setting your sights elsewhere, you know, like, you know, the guilds had all sold out by 1996, you know, I was never going to, or 1995, I was never going to get one. I would really wouldn't be able to afford one either. And there's no way that I'd ever, ever ask my parents for something that would be, you know, that they'd be that expensive. I wouldn't, you know, even at that age, I wouldn't want to put the, the pressure on them because, you know, it's not fair, is it? You know, it's such a, a, a massive uh, amount of money. And, um, and then 1996, I was doing my GCSEs and, you know, going through all that. And my, uh, my grandmother, um, she, uh, she had secondary cancer. She had cancer a few years before, but it came back again. And, um, you know, we were, we were told that it was, you know, it's going to be, you know, a limited amount of time that, you know, we had with her kind of thing. And um, she, 
um, it was towards the end of June and um, for some reason, my, my dad and my brother went camping or something, which they never do, you know, which was strange. So they went off and uh, my mum went to stay, you know, even though, you know, they only lived like three, four miles away from us. Uh, my mum went up the state of their house to stay for the weekend um, with their parents. And um, I said, oh, um, I'll, I'll come up and stay as well, which was a really strange thing. So it ended up being me and my mum slept on the floor and, you know, we stayed over my nan's house uh, this night in, in June. And um, the, the day after the Sunday, my, uh, my brother and my uh, dad got back from this, um, this camping thing that they, they did. And um, for some, you know, I can't remember what it is. I think my mum said, do you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wash your curtains, mum. And um, she said, Andrew, will you pull the, the settee away from the, um, from the curtains and um i think i was playing on a game boy or something like that at the time <laughs> it's 1996 kids All right yeah. um and um and uh i said yeah in a minute and she goes do it now please and i said oh, okay so i put it down and i i pull this um settee away from the the window and there's a brown leather looking kind of case and i see you know the the gold guild uh emblem on the on the side and I, as I'm talking about this now the, the hairs are kind of going up on the back of my neck and um I I couldn't say anything I didn't know what you know I, I in my wildest dreams I knew what was inside that case but yeah it's almost like I couldn't admit to myself that this might actually be happening because I dreamt about you know I've dreamt about this guitar oh, literally you know nightly for however long and um uh you know, I look around and my granddad, my nan, my mum, my dad, my brother are there and they obviously all know what's going on. They're just waiting for my reaction. And so I pull out this case and um, the, I said, I can't open it. And they said, open it and opened it up. And there it was, which, you know, it's over there in the rack. It, it, it This cherry red, beautiful kind of it, I, I, words you know, and superlatives just mean nothing compared to what I felt about opening this thing I, you know um, I, I just I couldn't talk I couldn't speak and you know I look around and um, my nan says you've worked hard and you're a good boy and I want you to have this and oh man you know it, people <laughs> people start crying and all the rest and you know yeah. I just picked this thing up and I played my first A chord on it and I just couldn't, um, I couldn't get over it. And, you know, there's this uh, manual inside there where um, there's like a forward from Brian and, you know, there's settings showing what settings um, get what guitars kind of thing. And basically, you know, I, I took this thing home and I just, uh, you know, I can still feel the feeling in my, in my chest, you know, there was just um, nothing could describe the elation that I had, you know, uh, with regards to having this. And it, it turns out the reason uh, my nan had got it for me as a, um, you know, for doing my GCSEs, but she knew that she wasn't going to last that long. And she went at the end of July and I had my results kind of mid-August. But, you know, how glad I am that, you know, I had this while she was, uh, while she was there. And, you know, the story of this guitar goes that um, 
obviously it was used um it would have been 1996 but my parents found one in um an advert for one in the back of a guitar magazine uh they traveled down to the west country to uh pick it up and it belonged to a, a guy uh he'd recently got married and uh, they're expecting a kid and um the wife couldn't accept the fact that there was an 1800 pound guitar you know exactly. sat there and you know the guy kind of really didn't want to let go of it but um yeah the funny thing just uh, you know on the day that i received the guitar um uh it turned out that they bought the travel booster as well so they had the guild kind of um gray box travel booster and um that had been misplaced over my nan's house so there was like a an easter egg hunt for about a half hour afterwards trying to find <laughs> the, the booster but yeah uh, the, it, this guitar um means you know you try not to be materialistic in life because you know especially after the year that we've had you know yeah. what means more than anything is um you know the health of your loved ones and and happiness you know which is in short supply on years like this uh, you know it, it's it's quite difficult but you know i've i always say um you know i say jokingly but you know there's probably an element of seriousness about it as well is that in a burning building i grab the guild in one hand the guy in the other then i go and grab one or two more and then i go in and grab kate and the cat and then <laughs> then we call then we call the emergency services and see what else can be salvaged you know th this um this guitar i um, uh, there's no way on th there's no way on God's earth that I will part with this thing unless you know something really really drastically kind of bad happens and even then I would do I'd fight tooth and nail to keep hold of this thing you know it's it's not the closest replica out there and you know the, it, but it doesn't that doesn't matter you know the the value this has to me is is far beyond anything that um anything other any it's other definitely coming across mate <laughs> yeah i know it's I know. um savagery no it's no 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 not at all yeah i was just this is the great thing though about the community and, and the guitar because for you the story is around discovering queen and music and then going on and mm. your family realizing how much this means to you and your own family doing something to go out of their way to provide you with what they could do to get you the thing that you wanted and that's that, absolutely yeah that echoes brian's own story with his own family couldn't afford a guitar mum mm. uh, and dad said no but dad says why don't we build one instead son and we'll build it better than any other guitar that yeah. has ever been and yeah yeah all of us have got these little stories that sort of absolutely and they all mean the world to all of us you know and yeah. you know so you know with what you're doing with this you know i think you mentioned before it's like a little kind of time capsule you know and how interested people will be in this in a couple of generations time or not they might not give two hoots about it but you know it's um you know we've all got our little anecdotes and our little um uh, stories about about this and it means so much to all of us you know and there's nothing wrong with it meaning a lot to all of us you know it, it's why should we hide that's something great that's happened in the last like 10 years or so has been the rise of the geek hasn't it you know, it yep, is, you know, going back, you know, <laughs> I didn't show you the rest of my room because, you know, the, it, well, the Transformers collection, you mean? You, you, <laughs> you can see in the background, <laughs> bollocks. <laughs> yeah. 
That's, yeah, no, um, we've discussed that as well. You yeah, forget yeah. I've been to your house and um, back in <laughs> the, the dark days, the early days, we've yeah, you know, I know hung out yeah. a bit as well. I know that's the thing, you know, and so you know, it's um, you know, the, the great thing is, is that you know, you know, when I was, you know, certainly in my teens, you know, to be over enthusiastic about anything, you know, was to be, you know, it was quite sad, you know, in the in the eyes of others, and I worried too much about what other people thought of about me and all that and there's this great let's see this last 10 years or so where people have embraced their you know their passion you look at um you look at the people that you know queens surround themselves with at the moment you know with regards to the people who make their documentaries and all yeah. this kind of thing these are hardcore hardcore queen fans people who went to conventions i went to conventions i got horrendous stories about conventions that i don't know is suitable for a, a pg rated uh <laughs> Uh, podcast but you know th there's you know people who are who are better placed to do what is best for a legacy and a brand than people who absolutely you know love it and you know I think that is one of the strengths of Queen is that people are so passionate about them and they care so much about all of their output and, and what they do that um, you know I think it pushes Queen to make good decisions with regards to what they do. Yep. Um, you know, especially, you know, latterly, I think. And it's, um, you know, they they care about the day-to-day -day interest, but, you know, it's almost like the, the legions of fans around the world are caring about what Queen are for the next 40, 50 years, you know? It's, um, yeah, no, yeah. It's, it's a good place to be. It really is. Mm. It's, um, things like this, the podcast wouldn't have been able to existed ten years ago because no one would have listened to it for for a start, and I probably would have been too afraid to make it, worrying like you said about what my friends and family and would think about me. But it's like a definitely a movement. To, I think like YouTube and Instagram and Facebook having mm. a speciality and being interested in something and being that passionate about it is it's become acceptable because everyone realized that they've all got their own stuff that we all geek out about and there's now communities and the internet has brought us all together so you can go and hang out with your online friends that like transformers and that's okay because everyone <laughs> understands it or you can go and hang out with your red special mates and it's that's yeah. fine because everyone everyone understands and gets why the red special is so important and absolutely and i think there's been an acceptance that you know oh you know if you're not you know, if you're not imposing your, you know, your passions on somebody who doesn't, who isn't bothered about it, well, what harm are they doing? You know, so Definitely. it's, um, yeah, no, it, it it's, I think it's a really sweet thing, you know, and, you know, providing it doesn't get too kind of fanatical, you know, it, you know there's nothing wrong with having a passion. Not at all. So kids, if you're listening, jump onto the old Red Special Forum on Facebook or the old Red Special Forum and join does up. Still the, does it still yeah, exist? Does it still exist? The, the, the forum World. does. The yeah, Brian no, the World does. Yeah, I, I know the forum does. I, yeah, <laughs> Brian May World does. And all the old yeah. articles on there, like Greg Fryer building stuff and Mark Reynolds mm. and um, all of the like the new Guyton guitar coming out, is uh, all that still up there. <laughs> yeah. New for 2004. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's great it's nice to go down memory lane actually at times and go and check it out and be like wow i used to come to this website every day to see if mm. something new had been posted and pour over 
images of like there's three photos of this one guitar and you just spend hours staring at it trying yeah. to figure out how close it was and it's so yeah. we don't do that so much these days because we're all really busy but it's nice to go back into that world and I, I posted a picture today actually on um, the podcast instagram which was someone had taken a photo of or is a photo from 1982 in la and the truss rod cover was missing from the guitar right okay and um it's just like i've never seen this photo before and i've yeah. been around as long as you and looking at photos and taking on information and i will um, say though that you know i i see photographs and you know the quite well-known photographs uh, so i never realized that you know in the star flicks um video that uh some of the tuners uh, yeah one of the tuner is is broken that's right the yeah the g-string tuner is um he dropped the guitar someone dropped it and they replaced it with a metal tuner right um, he had that up until um i think when when was that video 84 yeah i think it was i think it was 83 because it was just before the works got released i think wasn't yeah. it? so yeah you know it, it's some um, so you know, somebody pointed that out and, you know, the amount of times I'm not the most perceptive of, of people like that. So, you know, it, it's like, you know, there are some, you know, I know the likes of, you know, Mike Ride and Mark Reynolds and, um, uh, you know, so many others, you know, they pick out, you know, there'll be a post and they'll be talking about, you know, a very, very small part of a photograph that I've just never looked at before because, you know, I always go to the obvious, which is the action shot yeah. and, you know, just what angle the red special has been shown at you know it's um yeah so uh, I'm, I'm not the most perceptive of that kind of thing so it's um because you're busy mate because you uh you well you you, you your story is different to ours because you end up first of all you get your guitar which means absolute world to you um, mm. from your from your family and um your nan's able to see you take hold of it which is mm. absolutely you know that's so important and such a a, a lovely story to know that she got to see you yeah. have that joy and and to share that moment with you um but you go on then to create your own band and you you, you find the forum online T talk to us a little bit about um wanting to create yeah. your own band and using the red special as your tone yeah so um yeah when i was in my teens and through school like um we had school bands we just do covers and all that kind of thing and that was good and then went to university i went to london when you could afford to go to London, right at the kind of cusp, really, at the, the end of the 90s. And, um, you know, the thought of thought was to get to London to, you know, try to get into music and all the rest of it. And um, just didn't happen. You know, it, it's, you know, you go to university, you do a lot of growing up. And, um, you know, I, I didn't take my guild to university because, you know, I didn't want anybody nicking that thing. And so, yeah. yeah um, I, when I finished university, um, you know, I took the guitar up there and I tried getting into a few things, but nobody was really into the kind of um, stuff. Nobody was really into the things I was um, wanting to play. And I started writing some songs my own, but they weren't that, you know, great. Um, not seeing that they become <laughs> much better, but at the time, you know, they really, you know, was, it was quite scrappy and not very good. And I ended up moving back to Wales and, um, one of my best mates who was um, a keyboard player and we kind of got something together. We started writing together and um, we we were writing quite different, you know, I was writing not so much, you know, it, it didn't sound like Queen, the stuff I was writing. It was more um, kind of indie and, 
kind of alternative kind of rock stuff and um i'd you know i was writing these songs but my mate was writing more of the kind of the power kind of um songs where you know every song had a guitar solo with a specially written chord sequence underneath and you know it's fantastic it was a really interesting kind of thing to to do you know i've heard you know brian say in the past that you know he finds that writing uh interesting guitar solos and pieces for the other band members was easier than writing solos for his own songs because you know they'd be you know taking the music into places where he wouldn't necessarily naturally go as a songwriter and so he's meant to he thought outside the box and you know you've only got to listen to all the fantastic solos he does for all freddie's songs yeah. to see what he meant by that and you know same kind of thing in as much as you know somebody presents you with something and it's a challenge and it's almost like you try harder because you want to um almost like you want to impress and you want to um prove yourself and yeah. so i really enjoyed that but you know the uh, we kind of uh, you got more and more kind of writing kind of baldy things which i really wasn't enjoying that much and it turned out i was booking all the gigs and i was doing all the legwork and he wasn't doing any of that and so i said right okay that's fine i quit i'm sorry my own band and we lost the bass player as well and i nicked the drummer and from the old band and found um, a new bassist and we started as a three-piece and um i used the um the guild uh, an ac30 and trail booster and also a telecaster as my sound and the, the fantastic thing about the brian may setup is that uh, i think jonathan um uh, touched on it um, during his podcast is that you know you put other guitars through this setup and it sounds there's characteristics there's the bigness of, of sound when you got everything turned right the way up and you strike that big e chord or a chord or whatever on stage and you know you've got the characteristic of an ac30 which is just that big kind of room filling everyone knows you've arrived kind of sound but um there's you know when when you turn the guitar down or um or whatever you know you start getting you know quite different kind of characteristics and that's what i really like about the ac30 is that i think it's the most transparent amplifier out there you know you can you can play five different guitars and get five different sounds you know not everything just gets compressed to this one kind of um to this this one kind of sound that you didn't get with you know black stars are good amps but i tend yeah. to get that from those and you know marshalls as well you know the ac30 really does seem to highlight the characteristic of a guitar that you're playing and um, yeah, in this three piece, you know, we had kind of limited success. You know, we, we played quite a bit in, we played some good gigs in London. We did a few, um, we recorded quite a bit. And as what always happens, always seems to happen is that as your songwriting, as my songwriting got better and um, we started going into, you know, the first you know, like half dozen songs we did were kind of, would just rip offs of like Manic Street Preacher songs, you know, like it's, you know, <laughs> the cliche of being Welsh and liking the Manic Street Preachers, oh, God forbid, you know, but, you know, it, I really like their music and, you know, the the um, the songs we were writing were that kind of three, four minute kind of anthemic kind of indie rock um, kind of sound. And then, you know, the, the next kind of however many songs, you know, dozen or so songs that we wrote and recorded started gaining our own identity and all the rest of it. But I was using this, you know, the, you know, the Guild quite regularly, especially for recording. And um, 
it just adds and it, like I say, it didn't sound like Queen, you know, it was, it just added such a wonderful, big, rich sound to the, to the, um, to the record. And um, yeah, it, it, you know, it, when gigging, you know, I used to use the the Guild and, you know, we, at the end of a gig, you know, you used to have people coming up and saying, you know, they liked some, a certain song or they didn't like a certain song, whatever, but, you know, more often than not, people would, um, you know, say, you know, you can't sing, but but your uh, your guitar's wicked, you know. And oh, thanks. Yeah. You know, and so, um, <laughs> and um, you know, some people knew it was a red special, but more often than not, people didn't, you know. And so, yeah, like it was, um, it was nice not to have the, you know, people coming up, kind of saying, "Oh, you're trying to copy the Brian May sound," because obviously it was, but um, you know, the, the intention wasn't to sound like Brian. It's just that it's such a versatile guitar, and it is such. Um, you know, it's so easy to to play, and um, it just looks really bloody cool. You know, in <laughs> photographs. <you> know. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah. So you know, I, I've used the the guild as a as a working tool uh, away from the Brian May stuff, uh, the Queen stuff, as well as um, as well as just geeking out in the bedroom and trying to um, you know, just play along to songs and gigs and all the rest of it you know through the um through the laptop yeah definitely we can relate how, to that but how, just out of curiosity when you play you know you're playing at home and you're just going to plug in your red special do you do you play along to music do you play along the backing tracks or do you just play kind of a cappella kind of thing just you and the, the guitar <laughs> <laughs> back in the day um especially when i was learning i would put the track on to get the timing and try and listen to the up and down strokes and pick out the notes that yeah. are being, being hit and also trying to listen in really to especially with the brian may stuff the the coin and try and replicate that the, the sound that the sixpence make so i would play along and then i would stop and i'd go back and go oh that doesn't sound right how do i get that to do that but more often it's... than not now yeah. I, I just plug it in and I like the sound it makes because of that feeling it gives you unlike any other guitar because everything's on full. Yeah, and, it, you know, it's absolutely... Playing along to the records, I think, is absolutely the best way to, to practice because you're in Queen or you're in, yeah. you know, Led Zeppelin or you're in whatever, you know, for the, um, uh, you know, for the song. And, you know, you end up, you know, you play a wrong note, you've got to recover in time with the band you know you don't get to yeah. you don't get to kind of um uh make good of your mistakes you know and and that's how i still play you know much to kate's frustration because it does get <laughs> loud you know like you got even within the attenuator you know if you put on the um you know the hi-fi and uh, try to get that to compete with an ac30 things again loud yeah. you know and it's um yeah no kids are, no, no neighbors <laughs> that's 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 my uh that's how i yeah. managed to get away with it I've got children now, so literally any time past bedtime, I cannot plug my I cannot plug my Brian May rig in and play, and get that feeling of interaction between guitar and mm -hmm. the, the sound coming out of the speakers, without fear of waking them up or, or struggling. And anyone that has small children will know, waking them up at any other time when they they're asleep is just an absolute nightmare. So I've just resigned myself to playing weekends and early evening I, before they go to bed i i've been told that small children are very very inconsiderate so they are especially mm. mine 
because they're little versions of me. <laughs> Good God, what an image. <laughs> so um, anyway, moving swiftly on, um, before my wife comes in and or listens to the podcast and hits me in about three or four <laughs> weeks time when it goes live um my lovely wife vicky who is supporting me throughout this podcast adventure of mine thank you very much vicky i couldn't do it without you um but andrew you've obviously you've got to that point where you playing guitar you know a lot about the brian may sound you join the mm. forum you're playing gigs you're using the guild red special you obviously clearly must break an a string at one point and think either that's a great name for a guitar store or <laughs> where do I get these strings and what's Brian May using? Yeah. Well, um, I read, uh, I think, you know, as what happens, you know, when a, um, you know, when a, a new release is out, well, there's going to be a lot of interviews and stuff. And I think I learned, um, in 98 or 99 or whatever, when, um, another world came out that, um, he used these, um, Maxima gold strings and, you couldn't find them for love and money. You know, 1998, internet is still very early days. You certainly don't put your credit card details on the website in 1998. <laughs> so, so um, you know, uh, I just didn't have opportunity to try these things out. And just by pure um, chance, um, during uh, my university years, uh, for a couple of years, I was um, uh, seeing a girl from, uh, she's from the south of France, and we'd go back to visit her family um, a couple of times a year. And there was a guitar shop in Marseille and um, it had Optima gold strings, which I'd learned with the old Maxima ones. And so, oh, brilliant. You know, I bought a lot of eights or nines, whatever I could get my hands on. And, um, you know, I, I'd put them on my guitar and by the time we'd go, you know, the following year, I'd probably need another few sets of whatever. But, you know, the problem is, you know, <laughs> Staying with somebody just to have a, a good supply of Optima gold strings is not a good idea for your future, you know. So it, it was. Um, <laughs> so when um, that um, relationship kind of uh, terminated, well, I had a real dilemma with regards to where am I going to get my strings. So um, I I worked for my dad for a while when I was in London. He uh, he was involved in uh, plant sales and machinery hire that kind of thing, so excavators, diggers, all that kind of thing. And I was working for him in London for a while. And then uh, work situations changed and uh, I moved back home. Also relationship things changed, so I moved back home. And um, I found myself at the age of 24, 25 or so with some savings because my mum always encouraged saving and all the rest of it. And at that point, I could have, I had enough to put a deposit on a small terrace house in the valley somewhere and carry on doing the job I was doing. Or, you know, with no dependence, no, you know, only myself to think of, I could do something kind of reckless with it. And, you know, so I was, I was wondering, you know, I shall I buy a guitar? The guidance had just come out and um, I think, oh, you know, should I, shouldn't I? It's a good investment, but it's not an investment because I'll never ever sell it, you know? So, it, it, <laughs> so um, uh, you know, all these different things. And then, um, what, what happened? I think, um, yeah, I, I, I went on to um, optima-musicsiten.de, which, you know, was an entirely German um, website. And my very limited, I did, you know, some German in school and everything. My limited German, I could kind of figure out 
you know, a few little bits and all. I said, so anyway, I sent an email to um, the email address on there and said, um, how much for 10 cents to the UK? And uh, they got back to me and said, it'll be uh, this amount of money. I had to wait a couple of days because they had to go via. I had a reply from this guy called uh, Bernie out in uh, Australia. And uh, they come back and said, it'd be this much. And I said, okay. And so I sent back to it, okay, just out of curiosity, how about 50 sets? Thinking that if I buy 50 sets, I'll keep 10 for myself and I'll sell the rest on eBay or whatever. Because I'd ordered some from Strings Direct and they took ages and ages to send through. And only because Optima is such a nightmare to deal with, you know, Strings Direct friends of mine, so I'm not slagging them off. But yeah. um, uh, so they come back and they said, okay, if you bought 50 sets, it would be this much cheaper. I said, okay. And you know, then the cogs really started to, and I said, right how much for 500 sets? And, you know, they said, okay, you know, we've had a few meals going back and forth now, you know, this is the very um, most money we can give you off. And this is our trade price. This is what we, it's our export price for trade. You know, it won't go any lower than this. So I had a little chat with my dad and um, a few other people. And um, he said, well, you know, at the very worst, and they don't sell, you know, you'll have guitar strings for life, but you know, yeah. You'd be able to sell them for what you bought them for, so you know to go for it. So anyway, I um, emptied out a post office savings account, I think, and said, right, I'll buy. Uh, I think it was something like um, forty-eight sets of MaxiFlex nines and tens, and some, and then some normal eights, nines, tens, and some acoustics. And um, I started um, selling them on eBay. I got in touch with the. I, I put a post up on the Brian May World Forum and said, um, I've decided to start selling um, some uh, Optima strings. You can't get them anywhere else in the UK or many other places for that matter. If you're interested, let me know. And um, yeah, uh, the name A strings, you know, my name is Andrew. So, you know, A uh, is, is obviously an A string in a in a set of guitar strings. And what was the other thing? Well, my, my parents are called, me and my brother, are Andrew and Alex. My parents are Jill and Glynn. And we come up with the G strings joke before anybody else did, you know, like, you know <laughs> literally every week of my life since I think it was August, 2005, somebody's made the G strings joke, you know, and um, yeah, you know, it, it does run a little bit thin after a while, but anyway, you know, let's, let's calm down a bit, Andrew. Um, so, so, um, uh, come up with a string, start up an eBay shop and just start selling them. And I was doing that alongside the, the job that I was doing at the time. And um, I, I had a friend who lived out in Stuttgart and um, I thought, right, well, you know, if I want to do this properly, you know, the only way I can really do it properly is by trying to secure the exclusivity for selling them in the UK. And um, uh, so I did that. Uh, I, 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 got, I sent them an email saying to Optimate, listen, can we have a meeting? And they said, what do you mean, can we have a meeting? You know, we're here in Munich and you're in Cardiff, South Wales. You know, um, when do you expect to meet? I said, well, I'll come over and, and see. And um, I didn't hear anything back for a little while. Out of nowhere, uh, just out of, um, you know, as a chance, of, uh, I emailed the BrianMay.com website and said, listen, I've started um, importing these strings. Uh, I know that uh, Brian used them and I imagine he's got plenty and he doesn't need my help. But if you're ever stuck for whatever reason, um, please get in touch because, you know, um, I'd be only too happy to, to help you out. 
And um, I say there's some emails going back and forth between Optum and myself and trying to arrange this meeting. And um, I was driving a, an 18 and a half ton beaver tail um, lorry up towards Brecon, uh, mid Wales. And I was on the A470 and, you know, this is, um, you know, mobile phone laws had come in, but they weren't that strict, you know, and so anyway, um, I was, you know, driving this um, lorry up to um, mid Wales and um, uh, phone goes and didn't recognize the number. And I said, hello, like that. I'm going to speak loud because, you know, in a loud lorry and um, this guy goes, um, is that Andrew? I said, yeah, he goes, yeah, it's uh, Pete Malmdrum from Brian May's office. And I, I swerved, you know, I was like, fuck it. Yeah. Bleep that out, sorry. But you know, I, I said, uh, uh, do you mind if I just, I'm driving, I'm just going to pull over, I'll give you a call straight back. And he said, yeah, no worries. So I kind of pull over into this kind of um, uh, uh, lay-by and uh, some deep breaths, you know, hearts kind of going a little bit. All right, this is Brian May's office, Brian May's office. Right, calm, calm down, calm down. And uh, I called this number back and, um, you know, tried acting as, as cool as I could. Yeah, it's Andrew here from A-Strings. And um, he goes, yeah, how are you doing? And I said, yeah, fine, thanks. Um, how can I help you? He goes, um, yeah, so I got your email. And um, at the moment, uh, it's a nightmare trying to get hold of Optimus Things because uh, we placed an order with somebody in Australia. He's got to wait until the Germans wake up. And basically, it's about a three, four-week turnaround between us ordering strings and getting them. And it's not good enough because if Brian needs a set of strings to go on stage with whoever, next weekend we need them straight away so we'll yeah. his words were and you know pete does come across as quite intimidating at first you know and he um his words were um we'll actually get the strings off you but if we ask if we need the strings delivered to us at three o'clock in the morning via stretch limousine under a silver cloche um that's what we need and i said you know Basically, I, I said the equivalent of "Yes, sir, sir." You know, it was you know, yeah, whatever. You know, I, I'll, I'll always make sure I got a reserve here and whatever you need, blah blah blah. And he said, um, "Yeah, cool, all right." So, um, if we need anything, we'll be in touch. I said, "Okay, thanks." And then, you know, basically, I had to call. I called my dad. Guess who I just got? I called my mum. Guess who I just spoke to? And um, you know, it was just you know the most um, surreal thing. And then, you know. Um, over time, uh, I went out to um, Germany and uh, had a meeting with um, uh, Helmut Hasslinger, who was the owner of Optimus Strings at the time. And, um, you know, I was expecting to walk into an office and a, a boardroom kind of thing. And um, I walked into his front room and he had laid a hose on and one of those kind of Bavarian caps and a feather kind of thing. And um, he really wasn't interested in making strings whatsoever. He was a very, very talented um, zither uh, manufacturer. And, you know, he bought Maxima, um, his, his mate um, owned the Maxima String Company and he passed away and I think that the fishing line side of the business went to one person and the, he bought the, the guitar string line and um, yeah, um, basically they said um, you know, looking back now, it's pretty brazen because, you know, why should they give it to, you know, like a, somebody with obviously no experience like me, uh, why should they give exclusivity to these strings to, to me? And um, they said, why should we? And I said, well, nobody else is doing it. And, you know, I'm guaranteed to spend this month with you within six months. And if you don't want that, well, you know, your options are, are nothing. And so they they kind of said, yeah, okay, we'll, we'll give you the exclusivity for six months, then we'll revisit it. And um, 
six months later, I went back out to see them and they said, yeah, it's yours. And so it was from there. And, you know, throughout that time as well, it was by pure coincidence that um, they brought out a Brian May signature set of Optimas in early 2006. So literally as A-Strings kind of started trading, got a website together, so it was selling through the forum on eBay and all the rest of it. Um, uh, Optima brought out a Brian May set and Pete would help me out by, you know, I'd send, you know, a dozen sets of strings up to him and Brian would sign them all for me to be able to um, give away his competitions just to try and grow the, the customer base and all the rest of it. And he really, really didn't need to help me out at all. You know, he owed me nothing, but um, it's just a testament to how nice these people are. You know, uh, you know, Pete is, one of life's absolute diamonds you know i know that he can sometimes come across um you know a, a, a certain way on um you know on forums and that kind of thing he if if you have five minutes face to face with this guy you can't not love him and this isn't sick of fantasy this isn't um uh me trying to suck up because you know i i'm just talking from uh my belly, I guess, you know, he's just one of these people who will bend over backwards for you if, um, you know, if if you treat him uh, with the respect that um, him and uh, uh, Brian deserves. And, um, you know, they've helped me at no end, you know, like, so from, you know, just supplying strings, um, you know, started doing like the Fox phases and... Um, yep, I remember. remember when you imported them. Yeah, the so, you know, basically off the back of, you know, doing the... the the optimum strings and be, being able to say officially that um, Brian May comes to A strings for his strings, you know, which is an amazing thing. Um, you know, sometimes people saying, uh, can you get hold of this? Can you get hold of that? And so I started doing Peterson tuners, started doing these short lived kind of Fox reissued phases, um, which <laughs> I think uh, just looking at, um, you know, they were only out for a little while, but I think that they're the most expensive carcass of a, of a pedal that anyone's likely to buy because no, they sounded crap, really, really bad. You know, the, the, the reissues, they sucked all, you needed two travel boosters to go through these things. Yeah. They sounded really bad. But, um, uh, you know, Lee Spate, um, he, you know, he does fantastic things with these things. You know, he'll rip the innards out and put, um, you know, amazing things. Uh, he puts this amazing circuit in there and makes them sound like they're meant to. And, you know, my Fox phaser, which is just done with there, you know, is one of his. And, uh, so anyway, I babble, and I really sorry. I, I do kind of. It's go all right. It's interesting. It's good. But he um. So we, I, I we the role we I was um, basically starting to become a a bit of a Brian May stop one stop shop thing, you know. And um, one of the visits to Allerton Hill, um, uh, it was it was very surreal actually because my my. Uh, Kate, who's uh, my wife, uh, she uh, she's from Bracknell, uh, and uh, we're you know uh, the house that um, the Pete kind of works out of, you know, which is kind of Duck Productions and um, you know the uh, the Brian May kind of side of Queen, is only about five ten miles away from where she lives. And um, yeah. so if I was visiting the um, the future in laws as they were at the time. Um, I'd mentioned to Pete that I'm in the area and he'd say come along for a cuppa and you know that's where the friendship kind of evolved and everything and yeah. um, this one day um, it was there I think I was dropping something off and so I wasn't going to stay very long and um, 
almost like that, um, you know, that Terminator reference where Homer Simpson kind of appears from the bushes um, yeah. when he's like best friends with Flanders. Um, Greg Fryer kind of did that uh, kind of coming out of, of the bushes and um, uh, uh, Pete introduced me to him and, you know, we, we got talking and stuff and um, I met Greg the day after and he showed me, you know, the, um, uh, uh, one of the, you know, the, the Fryer copies. And um, from there, um, I think Pete encouraged us to kind of, you know, talk a bit more. And I started selling Fryer boosters through the, um, through the website as well. Um, I, uh, you know, Greg was involved in um, developing, you know, the DHEAMP in, in its earlier stage. I think Dave Peterson yep. started it, then Greg took over. And, That's right. um, yep. and then, you know, Greg, Greg and me, I haven't spoken for about probably about 10 or 12 years now. And we were, you know, quite close for, for quite a while, you know, things happen and, you know, you take a deep breath and think, okay, that was, that's kind of run its course and that's fine. But, um, you, you know, for, for, you know, the two or three years or so where um, between around about 2006 and 2009, well, you know, we, we spoke quite a bit and, you know, I was representing his products over here. Um, I, so, you know, Greg sent me through a, um, a prototype of the Dehe, which I took along to like one of the guitar shows that we used to exhibit at. And um, uh, I had to go to, I can't really talk about this, but I I, I went to, um, uh, for a meeting with, anyway. yeah, well, no, I'm not going to talk about the, the main bit of it because you know, I, yeah. I really can't, but I went for a meeting with um, Brian and, um, and Pete and, which was surreal in itself, you know, like to sit around a table with, you know, your hero and, you know, this, you know, wonderful, you know, guy that is Pete, you know, who's, you know, Pete kind of gives you a little bit of, you know, don't worry about it, he's just another bloke kind of thing. And, you know, I'd met Brian a few times by by that point, uh, but, you know, still to be in natural conversation with somebody who's, you know, you probably still got a poster up somewhere with him on, you know, like it's, it's just a little bit weird. But um, uh, anyway, at the end of this meeting, um, I was going, um, I had to go and meet Nigel Mike for the first time, funnily enough. And I I just mentioned to um, Brian, I said, I've got a prototype of, um, I got a Greg Fry's um, prototype Dehe in the boot. And he said, oh, um, do you want to get it out? We'll have a, we'll have a blast. So, yeah, all right. <laughs> and uh, so I ran to the car, grabbed this um, kind of decamp. We went into his, um, you know, the front room of, or, or one of the rooms of his, um, you know, wonderful big house. Um, and um, they they had the original dehi there. And um, Pete went and gro- grabbed the dehi and put like an AV switch there. And um, uh, the original guitar wasn't there, but I think Brian was playing at the time this. Um, he had a picture of his face on it. I think it had like moon, the moon and stars oh, on it. it was, the BMG that had been painted, is that? Yeah, something like that. Or a Burns. It, it was a Burns, I think, yeah. And um, so he's playing that. And, you know, as you alluded to before, you know, any guitar in Brian's hands sounds like Brian, but especially through the yeah. Dickey as well. And anyway, Brian was kind of, you know, doing all these kind of... Um, He's just playing through it, and just you know, I, I'm there watching Brian May in this kind of dark front, dark room, kind of just playing through the dicky. And he was kind of going between. He had an A B switch, and he was going between the the real dicky and the other dicky. And 
the you know the the prototype and you know to be fair to greg you know he was dealing with he was making an amplifier going off sound files from literally the other side of the world you know so when he came over to um you know when he had meetings with um you know he, he used to come over to do maintenance on the guitar and to develop things and whatever you know he'd have he'd be over for a few weeks he'd do tests he'd run meters through things and he'd do all you know the the kind of um uh you know the the, the tests that he would need to do and then he'd go back to his workshop in sydney and he'd be working off sound files which isn't ideal you know and so yeah, um so he got a lot of characteristics about the dicky right but there was it was just missing that kind of honk you know that kind of um yeah that mid-range kind of almost kind of half cock wah kind of ha sound that the dicky had and um it's not good to have regrets, but I think if you have got regrets, it's good to recognize what they are so you learn for the future. And my biggest regret to this day is that um, uh, Brian, uh, he, he's kind of gone between the two and he, he, you know, he's looking at Pete more, but he's looking at me and he's saying, you know, it's not, it's not quite right, is it? And it's missing this and the other. And, um, uh, you know, we were kind of agreeing and we were just talking about different um, aspects of it. And he looked at me and he got the guitar, he said, you have a go. And I just looked at him and I said, nah, 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 that's not going to happen. And, um, and he said, okay. And he just put it back around his, um, his uh, neck and he was just playing, you know, whatever. And I just thought, yeah, I was just enjoying him play too much. And, you know, just the, the situation I was in to watch, you know, this bit of real life R&D happened in front of my kind of eyes, you know, and, um, uh you know, Brian being, you know, as meticulous as he is, he said, I'm going to, um, you know, I, I'm going to actually um, tell Greg what's going wrong with this. So he got out this dictaphone that he must have been carrying around with him. And he started talking into this dictaphone to Greg and um, playing between A and B. And he said, now listen to this. And he'd, he'd record something. And then he said, now listen to this in comparison. And kind of going between the two. And, um, I, you know, I'd always spoken to Greg you know, with um, almost kind of, always like I was walking on eggshells because, you know, I just, I realized that, you know, I'm the one with no talent in this kind of scenario and I still am, you know, like, you know, Nigel Knight is electronics genius and, you know, Greg Fryer is, you know, you know, done wonders with what he did. Guyton is very, you know, he's essential because he's a guitar builder. Me, I just sell stuff and I say that I also sell it to Brian May and I, you know, cross my fingers that the person's going to want to buy it. No, there's absolutely nothing that I kind of bring to the party. And so, you know, I've always, you know, Pete, I can relax with and, you know, I can you know, really have a laugh with Greg. You know, I was a little bit more um, kind of guarded. And so when I hear Brian kind of quite, you know, he's quite brutal in places, you know, saying why, you know, the new one just doesn't sound anything like the original. And, you know, I think we've got to go back to the drawing board and all this kind of thing. I just kind of, you know, only Brian can talk to like, to Greg Fryer like that. And it was, um, yeah, so my, my biggest regret um, in life is not picking up the guitar and playing through the Dicky amp with my hero in, um, you know, a couple of feet away from me, but, you know. What, and uh, what would you have played? One of my songs probably. <laughs> yeah. What, what do you think of this tasty riff, right? You know, 
<laughs> no, it's um, yeah, you know, you, you wouldn't insult the guy by playing, um, you know, yeah, by playing good old fashioned lover boy or you know, being yeah. or anything like that with you. It's um, you know, it's um, yeah, I would have just um, probably a pentatonic or something, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> something original like that. Yeah, nice. No, what a great story, Andy. I mean, you've gone from like. Oh, it's hard to sum up, but an ultimate fan to then getting the guitar to then getting the setup to then deciding that you want to sort yourself out with strings and a lot, bit of a light bulb moment to think you can actually yeah. maybe do something to well, working with your hero. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and around about 2012, which, you know, <laughs> coincidentally, the year I got married, you know, I've been doing eight strings for about six years at that point. And, um, you know, Ace, it, it was, I managed to get a good reputation in as much as, you know, I was, I was reliable, you know, you always have, you know, <laughs> any past customers that, have, that I've let down and, you know, me say that I'm reliable, they might, you know, they might differ, but, you know. Well, I was going to talk um, to you about that outside of the podcast, actually. <laughs> <laughs> where the, where the F of my strings. Um, so, yeah, um, but, you know, Apart from uh, that, you know, I'd managed to kind of make contacts with all the right people and, you know, add foundations for something that was more than what A-Strings was currently doing. You know, I was six years on, I was still working on my own. I, was, I had a little office down in Cardiff Bay with a lockup. And, um, I remember started... it well. Yeah, of course, because you came down just before the Paul Rogers gig, wasn't it? Yeah. Was I think, it? Um, yeah, yeah. I bought... As the second, the second tour, and I helped you pack some orders, which is probably where the unreliable um, yeah. reviews come from. Is that one day that John October Underhill helped pack strings? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you the, um, help from someone. Yeah, that, that's right. It was the Paul Rogers gig in Cardiff, um, the CIA, as it was at the time. Yeah, and uh, the bassist fell ill, didn't he? And Neil Murray so, played. Yeah, yeah, that's mm. right. And. Yeah. Um, yeah, and yeah, I was um, enjoyed that. That was a, that was a really good one. But um, just so from you know 2006 onwards, you know, any tour that you know Brian was involved in, you know, so whether it was Queen, Kerry Ellis, or um, you know We'll Rock You, you know, all that kind of thing, you know, they used to say thank you to Andrew from Eastwinds, which for me again, you know, what a what a thrill to have you know your favorite you know your hero you know acknowledge you in you know in in print in the back of a uh, of a program and you know we used to get uh, i used to get orders from you know if they were playing um you know if they were playing hamburg i used to you know the day after i'd get an order for a booster or some strings or whatever from Hamburg. If they were playing Brussels, I'd get something a couple of days after from, you know, it, it was, you could tell where they were playing from where the orders were kind of coming from. And they really, really helped me in ways that I kind of didn't deserve, you know, and I, I, I still don't, you know, that they, um, there's nothing that I'm doing that, that thousands of other shops couldn't do and wouldn't do if, and, and, and would do if they were given, you know, a fraction of a chance, you know, like I really, you know, I've landed I on my feet. I think you're underselling yourself there though, mate. Definitely mm. underselling yourself. I mm. think because, you know, 
if you look back even just in this conversation i'm and i know and i've known you for such a long time now and you know we've talked about loads of different things over the years and out of the three of us that started going back to the, the beginning you're the only one of us that is stuck at what they've done <laughs> and carried on with it you also undersell the value of you but also you help them solve a problem and you have such an intrinsic understanding of not just um well you said it yourself you all of the people that surround queen want queen to do well mm. because you're such a fan of brian may and the red special and the story and you make sure that when you're making your own decisions for them based on supplying strings equipment and coverage and what you tell people and how you behave and act around them is just testament to one of those people that is a fan that wants them to succeed so you, you're doing the right things for them which is exactly the reason they come to you and exactly the reason they tell people to come and buy their stuff from you that's, that's very very um yeah thank you that's very kind of you to say yeah you know, did i say that right from what you wrote down <laughs> I, was gonna, I was gonna say I, I think you missed the good looking part as well I think. yeah well we can't yeah, but, that doesn't come across in a podcast though <laughs> No, I mean, yeah. I've, I've watched you from the sidelines. I mean, I was going to say, I think I was one of your first customers from BrianLeWorld.com yeah. um, and bought like five sets of strings from you at that point. And 5% I off. have, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And over the years, we've caught up and, you know, we've hung out and we've done stuff less so more recently, but it's been great to, to get chatting to you again in the last 12 months. And um you know it's it's been a lovely for me to come back and and look back at what you've done but having looked from at a strings from the outside and watch you go from selling strings to selling strings and fox phases to selling strings fox phases and retrosonic choruses yeah. to pieces yeah. and tuners to then selling boosters and all the other bits and pieces you sold the original super guitars you could get them through you when they came mm. out um all of the different things you've done you've done so well and you've been um mindful of us as fans and what brian may is and brian as a person and his brand and you kind of manage that expectation and balance so well that anyone looking from the outside just sees you and when you're saying that it's either something brian used you know you're not hiding behind stuff you it is what brian's used so we we get that information but also you're not out there airing his dirty laundry and, and telling everyone about some of the stuff that maybe isn't that you know that wouldn't be um best for us to know and you just you've carried that on and grown a strings to such a place that you can see why you've done so well oh that's bless you thank you that's really really um yeah that's really nice of you to say you know it's like i say to, to be involved in um you know, in any part of the, um, you know, of the, the Queen kind of um, organisation is is a thrill. And, you know, through the ups and downs that the business inevitably has, you know, it's been going for 15 years now. And, you know, it, it's as with any business, you know, it's, it's a roller coaster. You get, you know, you get your fallow periods, but then you get your good periods and, you know, it all bounces out somehow. And, um you know, the one thing that has remained a constant throughout the entire thing is, you know, even when you're having your worst days, um, you know, you, you take a step back, you take a deep breath and think, look at what you do and look at who you deal with, you know, and, you know, I'm, I'm not just saying, 
you know, with regards to who you deal with, I'm not saying, you know, about it, but the famous names or anything like that, just, you know, the characters that you're dealing with. And, um, you know, the, the interesting thing with you, know, again, you know, relating to referencing something that you've mentioned in previous podcasts is that, um, you know, there aren't that many, you know, you mentioned the, the Van Halen kind of side of things where, you know, there's like a fanatical kind of um, uh, pilgrimage to try and find his Brown his tone and yeah exactly and, and all that and you know and there are actually you know there are guitarists out there that um the, you know players out there like you and me that uh hank marvin is a massive you know so many people want to listen play like hank marvin and sound like hank marvin and it seems like his sound is just as difficult to nail as brian's and it all comes down to you know as much what the right hand's doing as what the left hand's doing, you know, it, it's it's in the fingertips, but you get, you know, people with, you know, these passions and, you know, there's, there shouldn't be, you know, once you start talking about accounts and, you know, all the, the you know, the bull that kind of goes with running a business, that can drag you down. But when you look at the, um, actually what you're doing, you know, so, so lucky and so privileged to work in a, an environment and with people who are just passionate about uh, about what they're talking about you know nobody comes into my shop under duress you know they, they haven't got they haven't got to come in and buy something in the same way that you've got to go to tesco's and get bread milk you haven't got to go yeah. to the or you know medication from the pharmacy or fuel from the petrol station nobody comes into the shop needing stuff like that you know if you're a gigging musician you're coming in for your strings and your cables and you're a gigging musician because you love being a musician you know i'm very very lucky to be working in the positive environment you know there's there's nothing really kind of negative associated with it you know and it's important to recognize that sometimes because like you say the other stuff can you know weigh you down quite you know quite easily and you can lose perspective but it's um no it, very very lucky and you know i I say it's important to remind yourself of my, it's important for me to remind myself of that quite often definitely but you make your own I'm a strong believer and you make your own luck through hard work and opportunity and, and seeing when an opportunity is there and taking it and and, and, and being nice that. and being nice to people and you know is is the important thing because if people if people feel like they're being respected and you know they enjoy dealing with you you're going to see them again you know and I think that I think that is something that's, um, you know, becomes contagious because if, if you've just had a good experience with somebody, the next person you meet, they're going to have that, you know, they're going to have, you know, good attitude, John, as opposed to the, um, the stinkers that you sometimes do. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> I must stop coming to the shop. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's all good though, but it's, um, yeah. So anyway, you know, from 2013 or so I had the shop, which has been a full kind of retail premises as opposed to just online. And um, uh, unfortunately, you know, I guess from about, remember that time, um, I've kind of had less, I've been less focused on, you know, the Brian May world. And I'm not going to talk about the website, the, 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 the kind of Brian May kind of um, focus on products because that is, you know, it is, even though there's quite a few of us on the forum, you know, it's a very niche kind of thing in the valleys of South Wales or in, 
you know, Nottingham or even yeah, Devon or whatever, you know, it, it's, you know, it, it's quite niche. So unfortunately you need to kind of, um, you know, let's use a pun, let's spread your wings and um, you need Fly to get away. exactly. And so, you know, we've been doing stuff like, you know, Fender and uh, Gretsch and Rickenback and Jackson and all these kinds of um, other brands, which are your day to day kind of bread and butter products, which unfortunately, you know, for me, you know, I had a perfect name for a, a Brian May shop as well. You know, if we were just opening up a Brian May shop, which just had AC thirties and Dickies and all the rest of it, I was going to call it the Bright Pod. And nice. I know, it, it, but unfortunately, you know, you you can't open up a shop like that because online you can, but you know, when you're trying to um, deal with, um, you know, more general inquiries, you know, you need to be less um, less niche, I guess. So. As a result, I've not had a great deal of um, interaction with, you know, the forum members. You know, the the, for, the Red Special Forum is, um, Mike Ride and myself started that back in, I think it was 2011, 2012 or so. So it's still, you know, I, I renew it every year with regards to the, yep, you know, the, all the rest of it. Um, so still got that kind of involvement, but I'm not involved in the forum as much as I'd, as much as I'd like to be, because, you know, I'd like to have the, the other thing about it is that it does become a little bit of a busman's holiday to talk about guitars outside of <laughs> work, you know, so it's, um, but yeah, no, it's. Hmm. You say that, but you have come along to a couple of meetups and hung out with us all and, and come to the meal afterwards and yeah. you seem well, to you enjoy know, yourself. It's always nice to see you. Mm. So I'm just trying to think. So the first one went to, I'm sure it was 2007. That was with the, uh, when Pete gave us the um, the Pete Cornish board and the um, the router. Yep. And then, or it might have been 2008, because 2009, he, he lent me the John Birch, the Guyton Scallops. Yep. And some pedals as well maybe that was 2010 the pedals as well because um we had uh you give we borrowed the um the tribute concert booster from pete cornish right. yeah which yeah. is this kind of big kind of uh, big massive kind of booster which didn't sound very good at all actually um, <laughs> <laughs> um yes yeah, so that was that one and then the the real coup was um uh, so again, uh, I mentioned that my missus is from Bracknell. Um, having gone to, you know, visited Bracknell on many occasions, um, there's a, um, a venue there called South Hill Park that um, Nigel's well aware of it because Nigel um, is from Bracknell as well. And um, I, um, I, I, I talked to Mike Wright about, you know, organising like a, uh, I think, I think that he approached me actually about organizing the uh, the next meetup and doing it somewhere further south. And, um, I, you know, I basically, you know, reading between the lines, you know, I think that, you know, you kind of mentioned it, um, hoping that maybe I'd try and entice Pete along and all the rest of it. And um, yeah. I I mentioned it to Pete, uh, you know, so we got in touch with South Hill Park and paid deposit for the rooms and all the rest of it and start organizing things together. Nigel um, uh, organized drum kit and we got like a jam se session um, sort of for the end of the day. Um, got made, made sure Guyton was down and um, 
you know, uh, I think Barry Morehouse from House Music came along with a lot of um, guitars and all that kind of thing. And I had a chat with uh, Pete about um, a couple of months before and said, listen, this is going on on a Saturday. You know, do you reckon you can come along? And um, he said, well, if I did come along, I'd bring along the, the Red Special. And I said, oh, you know, that'd be brilliant. He goes, but it's a Saturday. You know, he said, I work Monday to Friday. My, my son plays football on a Saturday. I don't particularly want to spend it. Um, kind of cooped up. And I said, well, yeah, see how you get on close to the time kind of thing. And, you know, I was having kind of almost daily conversations with Mike in the kind of couple of weeks running up to it. And um, uh, I think Pete uh, kind of confirmed it a couple of weeks before. And I, just in case something had come up, because maybe, you know, Brian is a, a world wide superstar he might have needed to do a recording session for somebody or whatever i just thought as opposed to announce it announcing it and to attract maybe people who wouldn't have come otherwise um yeah. you know kind of uh, keep it quiet and um anyway uh, the i was on a walking stick that's right I, I i bust my leg the week before i was best man <laughs> i was best man and i had my guild around my neck actually and uh we 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 played a um we played like a an eight song set in the evening and I got absolutely tankered during the day because the, um, the, the bride of the, of this relationship really didn't like me. And I knew that, and she was Spanish as well. And I was, <laughs> my best man speech kind of tanked because, you know, it was being, every line was being translated in Spanish by this guy. And anyway, so I kind of, I, I got rat asked from, um, you know, around about three o'clock onwards and to the point whereby in the evening, the band didn't think I'd be able to get them play, but you know, we did, we did like a, eight and nine song set and at some point during the night I stood on this um cable and um the cable slipped from under my toe or under my foot and I went slammed down on my knee and on onto the cable and I went down and I, I carried on playing I think we were playing Saturday night's all right for fighting or something like that but I went down with the normal kind of crash and just kind of yelled out with you know kind of looked up in the air and kind of shouted and um, the rest of the band thought I was just getting done on my knees to play guitar solo, and they just looked at me and said, "Oh, what a knob!" You know, and um, <laughs> I, I, I had to kind of um, you know get back up to um, to the microphone for the set for the um, the last verse and everything. And the day after, my leg was like my right knee was double the size of what it um, what it should have been, and um, it turned out that I torn my ligament and fractured my knee and all the rest. So anyway, I was like the old man from Scooby Doo, and um, <laughs> for the um, for the uh for the meetup and um uh anyway um you know pete confirmed you know like, like i said he, he said a couple of weeks before yeah I'll, de I'll definitely come along but um i spoke to him the day before i said he definitely come along and um i said he said yes so um i got in touch with mike i said right you know he's coming along and he said that um for a donation to charity i think it was badges or something I think, for a donation to charity um, he'll allow people to play the red special for, I think it was £10 a minute, maximum of three minutes. And um, he turned up, everyone just kind of went quiet, you know, and, um, you know, they saw a gig bag on his, on his um, back and um, he did a question answer session with, with Mike. And um, then he said, if you want to have a go with the guitar, it's, um, you know, for charity, it's a tenor. And then, you know, all these people lined up and, you know, they had the opportunity to play that guitar. So, you know, having a day like that where you can facilitate 
um, something like that. That was a proud day for me. You know, it was Definitely. really lovely to, um, you know, see, you know, the joy on people's um, faces. You know, I, I'd been lucky. To, I've never plugged in and played the the Red Special, but I've, I've had a go here a couple of times. And um, uh, just, you know, each time you'd never think it's going to happen again, you know. And so, you know, I don't think I'll ever have the, the privilege of, of playing it again. But, you know, these people who aren't, um, exposed to this guitar in in ways that you know the likes of Nigel Knight and Guyton and and certainly Pete are you know having the once in a lifetime opportunity to try this thing out you know it was um it was brilliant really good special day I remember uh, reading about it thinking I wish I'd gone to that meetup <laughs> yeah well you know it's who knows you know it might might happen again at some point you know because uh, um so just going through the meetups so that was that one then that was actually the day when amy winehouse died wasn't it yeah oh it yeah, yeah so uh, anyway um the the year after was huggles cut again and um mark yeah, reynolds mark reynolds and yeah a few pictures of me looking really fat in that um, in that <laughs> <picture>. <laughs> um what a comment the, the, the vanity the vanity uh, comes through but um yeah, that was a really, I really enjoyed that one because um, I had a really good um, jam afterwards with um, uh, with uh, Matt and his brother. Actually, Matt and his two brothers, I think. And also Nigel played, and that was a really good one as well. Um, and then I think that was my last one. I did a couple of conventions um, as, a, as a trader. But um, the first one then that I went to was 2018. Uh, which you organised. I think you did one the year before, did you? Yeah, we did the first one in 2017, which is purely yeah. just um, to get people back together again, selfishly to try and spend some time with my mates talking about the Red Special again, and no delusions of anything. Sean Lever actually goaded me into doing it because I said, oh, wouldn't it be mm. good if we did it? And he said, yeah, I'll give you loads of help. And uh, <laughs> did what... <laughs> Yeah, right, Sean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did what Sean Lever does so well, and uh, yeah. now he was a great help in pushing me along. And we we just found any venue that was near a motorway, that was near a hotel, that yeah. seemed, Reading seemed like a sensible location. I remember having an argument with Doug Short over Facebook, not an argument, but saying like Doug was saying it's a long way to go from Scotland. I was like, yeah, well, it's three and a half hours away from where I live, Doug. I could have <laughs> could have arranged it on my doorstep. Yeah, and, just, and you know, I, I know that you're always going to get into. Um, you know, you're never going to please everybody when it comes to no. location, but you know, like it or not, you know, especially when it comes to um, you know the guys traveling from abroad, you know, being that close to Heathrow is yeah is a good it thing. Makes a massive difference. Yeah, definitely. And sort of in my mind, that was sensible and having it near the motorway. And um, I didn't want it too big. And the one I found happened to have a bar that opened, and we could open that partway through the day. And it sort of ticked mm. all the boxes of. Um, I didn't think I'd get more than about 10 people turn up to be fair. So yeah, we arranged that in 2017 and everyone was so pleased and I was buzzing afterwards. I was like, Oh, I'm going to book this again for the next year. And yeah, I just, I'd made a conscious decision not to make it, not to invite people to ask them to bring things, but to let people know it was going on and people could make a decision if they wanted to come and be a nice surprise if something does happen as opposed to getting expectations up and, uh, and put pressure on people. 
and it makes it more about the people rather than the equipment and gear and much to my surprise i think i'd mentioned to you oh this is going on in 2018 you you walked through the door followed by mr malandrone yeah and uh, mr knight and yeah and pete's make nick and and his and his son as well frankie yeah and it was um yeah and it was a, a lot of fun that um and it was nice seeing people like, you know, you just mentioned Sean, there's, you know, there are characters out there that I, as you know, we've you know, spoken about earlier, you know, genuine friends, you know, the, not just, you know, people that you will just talk about, you know, red specials to, you know, but, you know, like Colin, Colin Bowell, um, yeah. you know, Sean and Mike Wright, me and Mike used to talk loads, you know, really haven't done for, for ages. And, unfortunately that's the way that life goes isn't it you know like it it's, um, yeah but, but the nice thing is is what when you're in that room and you know you know the the, the gear i guess is the, the common interest but you know it's almost a starting point isn't it because by the time you get you know to 10 30 11 o'clock at night you know it's you know some parts of the table might still be talking about signal chains but the other the other half are talking about um yeah all sorts of weird things that come well, to the again the aren't really rights, aren't we? yeah yeah it was, um, or um we're climbing over the bar to get a corkscrew and getting found out by the <laughs> the lady in the hotel <laughs> <laughs> she she listened to reason after a little while but you know it, that was, <laughs> <laughs> she was giving you evil through a good hour though <laughs> yeah 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 no, that was um, yeah, that that was the first year, wasn't it? That we, yeah, that it, was. Yeah, yeah. That was a good evening, though, and that's the the, the whole. You know, I love the, the day and the meetup and everyone getting together and the gear and the organisation and stuff going on and doing little demos. And for me, the 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 most fun part is the meal afterwards when they're all said and done. The gear's packed away. Everyone's yeah. relaxed. Everyone's spoken to everyone. Everyone sort of feels comfortable in everyone's company, and the real conversation starts. And that's where the friendships are formed yeah and, um, yeah yeah this, this is the best bit for me but yeah you rocked up you came through the door and we hadn't really asked you properly so uh <laughs> I turned up anyway <laughs> can you make sure you're invited next time <laughs> <laughs> yeah fair enough sorry to but it's um yeah uh, I, unfortunately with 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 me you know uh, you know saturdays are a very busy day with 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 work and unfortunately you know i'm unable to commit until you know last minute when i know that everyone's definitely going to be work and i can have the the day off as well you know so you know it yeah i'll I'll, especially after the year that we've we've had you know i think everyone is willing to kind of literally go to any length to socialize and actually i think that they've you know there's been a lot of you know reflection with regards to what's important who's important and um yeah you know like just kind of blowing off one year and saying i can't make it this year i'm I'm tired i've done this and the other and uh, you know i I can't be bothered to travel x amount of miles well i don't think that i'm not talking specifically about a meetup but you know i just in general i think that people are going to make a lot more effort to um to live a bit and to do the things that they um that they want to do because you know it, it if nothing else, you know, this last year showed how precious and fragile everything is. And if you don't take your chances, you're not going to, um, you're going to miss out. Definitely. And I've actually, um, 
I'll announce it live on the podcast. I've actually booked the Red Special Meetup for this year, which will be the 9th of October at Thiel in Reading, same place. Amazing. Um, same sort of setup, and that that's all sorted out, ready to go. Um, you can find it on Facebook. If you go to the Red Special Forum, there's an event oh. I think I posted up from the Red Special Guitar Podcast this year. But um, Brilliant. It's it's there and um, as long as we're allowed to do it it'll be going ahead this year if not just to get everyone back in the room together to to congratulate us all for surviving and yeah well <laughs> make sure you know, everyone's okay absolutely and you know the with like i say after being an old foramite and you know maybe i'm a little bit of time away and coming back now and um you know coming into like uh, uh, that evening in um you know the hotel in seal where you know everyone's around that big table you know there's a lot of familiar faces there's a lot of new ones but you're aware of their you know their nicknames or handles on on yeah. uh, to, you know so you know people like doug and uh, jonathan you know both absolute gentlemen and uh uli as well and uh his yep. father just really you know complete gents but um they they completely fit the mold of an, a red special anorak do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they, in in the same way that we are, you know, they've got the, you know, it's almost like, you know, we're talking about these parallels with regards to, you know, we've all got these stories, and generally they involve a family member, and generally they, you know, it, it's it's an example of how um, much uh, this, you know, guitar and you know the backstory and you know what it produces means to us. Um, it's almost like it produces a certain type of person, doesn't it? You know, and. Yeah. You know, there's all sorts of names being thrown at each other, you know, across the table, and there's not one little bit of offence taken by anybody. You know, it's it's all just a real, it's a big kind of hairy loving, isn't it? Definitely, and I think my <laughs> biggest, my biggest regrets of the meetup is that one year you did come and we we managed to do a. Um, I'm, I, I mentioned to you, do you think Pete would do a Q and A? And mm. you said go and ask him, and I was like, oh, here we go. So I plucked up the courage to go and ask him and Nigel said, I'll do it with you. And they sat down and, and did it. And I cannot explain to you what Andrew said about Pete. If you chat to him for a couple of minutes, you just realize that he is a really genuinely nice chap and he had time for everyone in that room. And he went round on his own accord to every single person to ask mm. them about the guitar they'd bought, the gear they had. He programmed Luke Timmons rig for him with Brian's presets and he agreed to do this Q&A. And the real downer for me was seeing, I mean, after that, he joined the forum again and he joined the Facebook forum. And <laughs> just within minutes, it was on self-destruct already and people mm -hmm. were sort of taking issue with him. And you just think after this fantastic experience we'd all shared in that room and mm -hmm. as a group of people, if you weren't there to then get his humor and see it on the forum posted in written form and then people take, take offense to it it's just such like a destruction of what we'd managed to achieve in the space yeah. of a few hours on a saturday the, in reading the 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 word to describe it again it, it, anybody who listens to this you know it really does sound like brown nosing sycophancy and all the rest of it but um you know he's an extremely and as is brian they're extremely generous people uh, generous people you know with their time and you know, I think Peter's um, Peter's perception is a bit of a bulldog. I think is an asset because you know when Brian May turns up to 
um, I don't know, uh, one of the talent shows that he might be coming out and doing a guest appearance with, you know, Brian's sound is Brian's sound. And, you know, Pete needs to have the, the strength of character to say, no, I need my AC30, three AC30s turned up right the way up. And no, I can't yeah. go any quieter. And, you know, um, you need to have somebody, you know, me in that job, you know, I'd be, oh, right, okay, I'll, I'll go and ask him, but I don't think he'll be very happy about that. You know, <laughs> and you need somebody like Pete who will say, no, you know, this is the deal, you know, this, this, this is the way or, or not at all. Yeah. But also, you know, with, um, you know, I'm sure Mark Knopfler and Clapton's texts and all the rest of it don't get the same kind of, um, uh, first off, I don't think they provide the same kind of access to the fans that, that Pete does. Um, but uh, but secondly, um, they haven't got the heritage and, and they haven't got the um, first off, they haven't got the the rarest guitar or instrument in the world that's ever yeah. been to protect. But um, you know, he's got a very unique he's got a unique job which requires a certain amount of kind of bravado and um, uh, like I say, and kind of like a bulldog approach and when you got people out there copying designs of things that Brian made with his dad, when you've got um, people who are trying to, um, you know, profit off you left, right and center, you know, he's developed a very real kind of sense of loyalty towards Brian. And, you know, he hasn't got to get involved in this stuff, but, you know, if you, the way I see it is that, you know, if you want the, um, if you want to hear what you want to hear from Pete in as much as if you want access to um, information of his rig or, you know, if you want to be able to ask him questions, or whatever, you've got to allow him the um, the opportunity of telling you what he thinks about certain things as well. You know, it's not just one way traffic. Definitely. It, what comes across to me is Pete's almost Pete and Brian are family and mm. Pete's protecting Brian from all of us profiteering and not probably said the wrong thing there but i'll edit that out but pete pete's like brian's family and he's there protecting brian from us and sort of not shielding him but you know mm. making sure that brian's happy and that the right decisions are made and the right information comes across and absolutely and you know when looking after the guitar is it no it's not and you know when you you know apart from the you know the day-to-day -day stuff that you know that they you know, do studio-wise, whether it's um, estate management or, or whatever it is, you know, equipment-wise or, or or whatever, you know, they've got obviously a comfortable relationship with each other, but then, you know, moving on from that, you know, when Brian steps down from the podium on Buckingham Palace roof, you know, your emotions are going to be all over the place. And when the first person you see is Pete Mountain's face, you know, like it or not, um, you know, there's got to, they're sharing heightened emotions with each other. And so there's going to be this connection that they just don't have with anybody else. And, yeah. you know, the, the fact that Pete's been there for, you know, in 94, I think he said that he's, he's been there. So that's a third of Brian's life or so, you know, yeah. you know, just under, you know, or just over rather. So, you know, there's obviously going to be, um, you know, Pete's there to protect the guitar, the man, and you know and everything else that goes with it and you know humor does get lost in pixelated form doesn't it you know so yeah. um I'm, I'm as you said you know there was i don't know many people was it 20 25 people there in that room 
yep. that day. And not one person came away from it thinking that the guy was an arsehole. But within uh, a few minutes <laughs> of, of being online, um, you know, it, it's, you know, yeah, it, it's sad because, like I say, he's he's the sweetest and most generous person that, um, that you know, you could um, possibly wish to... Um, to be associated with and um yeah, yeah much great, like well most like everyone around brian and the, and the team and you know I'm, I'm quite lucky over the years i've got to know i've known you i've i haven't ever really got to know pete but i've done a little bit of work or had nigel do some work for me and mm. know andy guyton and worked with andy in the last sort of two or three years on the project um so you get to know them a bit more than you would do if you were just a customer and there's a similar sort of like I wouldn't it's a humor there and there's a um a yeah. mutual appreciation that I would it's hard the, to put into to words but when, the, you, the, when go on sorry. you can explain no, I was, I was, I, no I was just going to say that the interesting thing and I think that the common thread um that you know is the weak spot with me certainly is that you've got you know with somebody like Pete with um Guyton with Nigel and you know, going you know further out than that, you've got you know the likes of um, Adrian Turner. Um, you know, you've got um, Dave Peterson. You know, you've got all these fantastic, fantastic people that are just you know so confident of how well they do their job, and yeah. and that's where they kind of um, you know that's where they really bond, I think, and and where they where the misinterpreted kind of um, arrogance comes into, I think, because at the end of the day, you know, <laughs> Nigel and, and me, uh, you know, we're, you know, very, very close. And, um, you know, we speak to each other, you know, very regularly. And, you know, if one of us uh, on a particularly bad day, we'll call each other. If, you know, if I go to visit the in-laws, I'd probably spend more time around Nigel's than than this uh, you know we we're really really good but you know man is he sure of himself <laughs> do you know what i mean yeah. but he's got every right to be because he is such Definitely. you know he's an absolute genius and he knows it you know but you know all these characters are um you know they're just you know the best of what they do and you Definitely. know and with that there's there's a comfort that just kind of establishes and and just a, a mutual respect and you know that's the um you know that's the key element to it i think is that there's respect for each other and of course you know the the common you know the, the common goal to make everything as um good as it can be for brian and and the work that he does it definitely comes across especially as um you look back to the original i wouldn't say original but like the paul rogers tour which was really good but obviously you're sort of looking at brian's rig and it was put together for that and then it's evolved and how that has changed over the years to what it is now and the sound and what equipment he's got to mm. use and there's obviously pete always talks about reliability but one of the things that pete mentioned in one of the q a's is and since he said it you notice it a lot more is the smile on brian's face when he's playing mm. or it might be nigel that mentioned it actually um probably misquoting pete there but nigel was saying how you know you watch brian play now live and he's enjoying himself he's Mm. he's in his the latter years of his life but he's enjoying and, himself and but not only that you know to, 
to me as you know so my rig is to my my left on you and you know it's the brain ring you know it's it's and but you know i i like the i like the the 70s and 80s kind of you know the late 70s early kind of actually from you know 74 onwards through to you know early 80s you know i like the c1 and i like the the fox phaser sound and um you know the the one thing as you know when the queen paul rogers thing was announced i was absolutely over the moon because you know, I'd seen Brian a few times, but um, I'd never seen Queen before. And okay, John wasn't there, and you know, um, but just the fact that Paul Rogers allowed these two guys, you know, Roger and Brian, to get back and, and play again was fantastic. And I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. But um, you know, Brian had Jamie, you know, the rhythm guitarist, um, yeah, backing him up, which um, you know, allowed Brian to solo and all the rest of it, but. It didn't, especially with the the focus on like the rock and more bluesy element of you know the Queen back catalog. Um, it kind of the essence of Queen wasn't really there for me, yeah. you know, as much as I enjoyed it. But um, you know, I think since you know the two thousand and twelve you know Cameron Smith shows and and moving on from there, where it's become just one guitarist, you know, and you know the. The, the proper kind of queen um uh with just the whole show as well now isn't it it's that it is it's, the queen experience is probably the best yeah absolutely it's it's the lights it's the smoke bombs it's the capes and the um all, all the rest of it you know and just you know brian's playing as, and sound is so much more reminiscent to me of the earlier shows uh, of, of you know earlier queen and you know i i just um they're in such a good place at the moment and it, it breaks my heart they weren't able to play this last um you know last summer you know because um you know they postponed them now till 2022 2022 might have been the next tour anyway do you know what i mean but unfortunately yeah. you know they're the, that's the next tour and who knows whether they're going to want to whether they've got the inclination to go out and do it again i'd like to think that they have because you know for as difficult as it is i think on them physically and, and mentally you know there's you know, they don't need to do it for the money you know it's you know when when you've got twenty thousand people shouting out your name and uh, yeah. hanging on to every note that you're playing and you've got their attention that's got to be a drug do you know what i mean you know how can you just uh, you know for john deacon to be able to say no i've done that you know i i don't know whether that's yeah i don't know i i, I uh, I don't know whether it's strength of character to be able to kind of say, no, you know, been there, done that, don't need it anymore, or whether you know, like, you know, they have alluded that you know he's a bit more fragile, so you know, maybe that has something to do with it. But I think that if if you enjoy it, which they obviously do, um, you know, I think they'll keep doing it until uh, you know until they can't. I hope. I really hope they do because it's um what's so lovely about all of the queen gigs i've been to and i'm trying to think the last one was probably in dublin a couple of years right. ago around november yeah. um see amount of youngsters there it's the next generation being inspired and the bohemian rhapsody film obviously is clearly inspired we've got mm. 
people on the forum now we've got 16 year olds again now on the forum asking the questions we were asking 20 odd years ago and like oh i've only got a burns and how or a bmg how am i ever going to afford a guyton and you're like well you know well, what? sunny the, jim when i was your age the, the prospect of a burns back in 1993 1994 wow can you imagine yeah yeah much different landscape now but yeah. they kind of question those questions are up and i have to stop myself going well actually when i was your age i was in exactly the same position and i find myself in a different position now having worked and um like your good self well you, you have a guyton a red special i have yeah um, yeah do you want to see it i can do it I, I, that's, that's not, that's not podcast, podcast friendly is it no, no. <laughs> so, so what have you got um uh guitar wise at the moment well, at the moment, I read special wise, which is what the podcast is about. Yeah, um, I have a, a homemade red special that I constructed last year, which um, I had the help of Doug Short, who, long story short, we accidentally bumped into each other on holiday in Cornwall. That should, and... that should be the name of his book, shouldn't it? Yeah. Long story short. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Very good. Very good. Yeah. I'll, I'll pass that one on. Yeah. But we, we, we bumped into each other in Cornwall and... Um, yeah and a holiday and our children his children are a little bit older than mine but they played and i sat on the beach talking to doug and doug said oh Lovely. i built building his own guitar which seemed to have taken him a very long time yeah um, he'd helped luke holwerder in america build his by providing him some plans and some information and he said look mm-hmm. i'd be really interested to see if someone else could take those plans and build a guitar and so um long story short we um <laughs> ended up sitting down and going through email after email of specking out what wood we needed and making our own block board and what size mahogany we'd need and i trolled the internet and found an old fireplace for the neck and wow um, sent it all up to doug and then flew up to scotland and the two of us sat in his garage playing with a cnc machine for a few days and then came home and then i went to the U- u.s meetup came yeah. back and had spent that time with doug and um doug sent me down this like care package of red special kit and then i i set about building it um which was an experience and you really until you try building one when you see that the works of andy guyton up close and personal and you know exactly how frustrating this guitar is to make you really do appreciate the amount of time effort and frustration that goes into constructing one of these and we're lucky because we have a guitar to copy absolutely yeah brian and harold back in the the 60s were were doing this on you know their own head it was yeah it's not like... and you know i think that you know it going by you know certain guitars at the time i think there's in certainly inspired by certain um certain things but you know being the geniuses that they are they took what they like the look of and just made it better you know and yeah. you know it's um when you know, going through the sales pitch in in, in the shop, you know, like um, p- people, you know, want to know your opinion and they say, what do you buy? And I say, you wouldn't be interested in what I want to buy. And they say, well, yeah. why not? I said, because, <laughs> and I, I, I genuinely do say this, I say, because the best guitar that has ever been built by anybody ever is the Red Special by Brian May. He said, oh, I don't like Queen. I said, whether you like Queen or not, this guitar has the ability to sound like Every, any guitar that you can see in this room and there'll be a Rick and, there'll be Rick and backers, there'll be Telecasters, Stratocasters, um, 
you know, P90 guitars, humbucker guitars and all the rest of it. I said, this guitar will sound like anything you want. And, um, you know, it's on some occasions it's led to a sale. Most of the time, you know, it's a case of, yeah, but I, I don't want to look like Brian May. And then you move on to another conversation. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. but I um, just, you know, developing that a little bit is that I honestly think that um, it, it, he's a recognized genius now. You know, there's no doubt about that. You know, you've got all these memes saying uh, you might be cool, but you're not astrophysicist, you know, stadium rock, rock guitarist cool and all the rest of it, you know, and, and all that's good. And it's, it's good as a, a throwaway kind of laugh. But I think that the, the true kind of appreciation of this man and what he's created and specifically the guitar that he's created, I think is going to be, um, there's going to be a reawakening, you know, a lot further down the line whereby the, the red special will become a guitar like the Les Paul, you know, the Les Paul is a signature guitar. It was made yeah. by Les Paul for the Gibson factory, you know, Leo Fender, you know, somebody had to make these guitars and this red special guitar is so synonymous with Brian. And it has been, you know, because there's not been another guitar that has been remotely like it since 1964. Yeah. Um, it is, synonymous with Brian and so it's almost like there needs to be a little bit of distance between so that's what's quite exciting about this Ariel guitar now is that yeah you know you we've got a lot of the features and a lot of the innovations that this guitar has in a different aesthetic and um it's gonna hopefully get into people's hands that wouldn't consider a Brian May guitar and yeah yeah it's uh, that Ariel guitar has got me quite excited actually because it's I fall into the mindset because of my my training, I say, with mm. inverted commas over the last 20 years of sparing at Red Specials and listening to Queen music of I pick a Red Special up and I intrinsically play Hammer to Fall or One mm. Vision or Time Mother Down or create, you know, it's just the way that my head works. Pick it up. It's a Red Special. You play Queen songs on it. And I'm yeah. quite interested to try the Ariel guitar to see because I don't think I'm going to pick it up and go that's Brian's guitar so I'm going to try and play like Brian I'm going to pick it up no. and go that's different but it does the same thing so it's going to maybe help me be a bit more creative or want to mm. learn something else so I'm re I am really genuinely excited about that coming out yeah yeah absolutely and you know I, I really do hope that, that the, the problem with Brian May guitars as it stands at the moment is that 99% of its trade is done through its website and so you're only going to type in brianmayguitars.co.uk if if you've got a an interest in Brian May, uh, Brian May guitars. Do you know what I mean? Yep. What I think you know what needs to happen is that these guitars need to be out in the shops for for your your Thursday kind of random customer coming in and just having a look around and just kind of looking at something, eyebrows kind of raised and asking what is this what does it do and you get done off the shelf and you say right well this will sound like what guitar do you want it to sound like and then you know you set up right there you go i'll leave you alone for five minutes plug it into a marshall or plug it into a fender and you know go from there and um i think that that's where the, the future of the guitar and, and you know the the offshoots need to be i think that you know they need to be in people's hands because as nice as 
you know, the Ariel looks amazing and it'll look really cool on stage and all the rest of it. But people need to try these things out because they're not going to be exposed to it unless they go to Brian Week Guitar. So, okay, okay, which is not, nothing against it, absolutely nothing against it. It's just that it needs to be in people's hands, I think. Well, there'll be at least one at the Red Special Meetup this year. So make sure you Excellent. come along and you get well, to try one out. I've got one in order, uh, not for myself, obviously, for the, for the shop, but... Um, yeah, and uh, I think the first batch uh, apparently have gone to Ariel's management because that was how the, the contract kind of works. And then the second batch apparently is due in May, and I got myself down for one. Whether I get it, I don't know, but you know, I um, I hope so. And you know, I it'll be a point of interest in the shop. You know, it'll be something to you know do a YouTube video on. It's a little plug. Yep, a streams UK YouTube dot com. <laughs> Um, and you know, just do uh, um, something that isn't a fender or you know, like a PRS or, or you know, Gibson, whatever. You know, it's... I mean, the great thing with it as well. I, I don't know if you're listening and you're interested in this guitar, is to head over to YouTube and type in two tone BMG or Ariel BMG. Um, there's videos of Ariel playing the BMG guitar, and there's uh, videos of brian may playing the guitar but i think where it really hit home how versatile this was was the picture or the video of eric johnson playing mm. the guitar through his rig and he sounds a million just like miles eric away johnson. from exactly a million miles from you know what you know the, the brian may kind of tone and everything else is you know a different type of player and all the rest of it and it's it just goes to show how versatile the guitar can be and yeah. maybe once there's a bit of distance and once there are plenty of options that aren't lollipop shaped for people to um, to um, try and it's being used, maybe at that point, you know, in the same way that you get 59 Les Paul reissues and, you know, all, all the rest of it, maybe at that point, you know, the, the Red Special will become a bit more universally um, accepted, you know? Definitely. No, it's 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 an exciting time. Hopefully it, it comes through. You do have another... I know you, you probably want to go in a minute, but you, you do also have another guy in on order, Andy. Which, which, for the, the listeners out there, which one is that and what era have you gone for? First of all, for the purposes of my wife, no, I haven't. And for, <laughs> for, for everyone else, um, I've copied you, mate. Because <laughs> I, I, that kind of dropping me in it. <laughs> yeah, but um, uh, I've kind of uh, basically I've asked for this um, the eighties relic, but with the seventies tuners. Tuners, yep. Yeah, Good choice. Um, because choice. those tuners look absolutely beautiful, but um, that you know the eighties um, looking red special where it starts getting those bits of um, uh like electrical tape kind of holding bits on and, and all the rest of it, you know, for me, that's amazing. I, when I, my first gig, this, um, you know, Brian made um, Cardiff ice rink. Um, the moments where I wasn't jumping up and down, I had a, a 35 mil kind of snap and shoot. And I was taking photographs of, um, of uh, Brian and, you know, Cozy and all the others. And, um, by 1993, the guitar was starting to get really, really kind of beaten up and oh, it looks so good. So good. You know, in, in my head, you know, how the guitar looked there was just 
you know, I've, I've got images in my head. And unfortunately, <clears throat> unfortunately, I give the photographs and the negatives to um, Jackie at the, the Queen Fan Club because she wanted to put some of them in, in the Fan Club magazine. And I stupidly give the negatives and the and the photographs and she lost them. And Lovely. Yeah, so they're, they're somewhere and they're probably a lot better in my head than they actually were, you know, in the... Uh, in five by seven format or six by four format, whatever it was, because, you know, I can't imagine the photographs would have come out that well, but um, yeah, it, it was, um, I've just got an image of how that guitar was and, you know, off the Brixton Academy kind of um, uh, video and all the rest of it. It's that beaten up look for it. You know, it's, um, there's something really, really endearing and, and beautiful about it. And, and to me, you know, it, it, and this is meant there's no disrespect whatsoever, but it never kind of sounded the same after the restoration. Um, you know, it, the, I, there's been some things written about, and I, I've spoken to people about pickups and, you know, things adjusted and this, that, and the other, but um, there's, I, I think I'm right in saying that probably the last thing that we would have heard the original Red Special as it was, was probably like the Elton John thing you know show must go on and um no one but you and there's it, just it, it always sounded a little bit kind of thicker after that i think um yeah and it's an interesting one it's um i don't want to go into it too much because i've got another podcast guest coming up who's going to tell me all about the changes <laughs> but um there are some things that uh potentially change some things inside it to do with how it's wired and it yeah. there's no way am i trying to push blame or say it sounded better before someone did work on it but no just no. through the natural changes and maybe trying to remove some of the unwanted noises it's a little bit like um i was talking to someone the other day about the difference between an analog recording and a digital recording mm. and the way they described it was with an analog recording and how bands used to record is everyone would be in the same room and they'd all be mic'd up and when you listen to it like bohemian rhapsody if you listen to the isolated tracks you can hear the unwanted noise of um brian's guitar and you can hear the drum in the background because mm. the vibrations are making that drum work and when you push all that together that creates a certain sound but yeah to do that digitally now they record everything in isolation and they move things and you haven't really got that nice gelling and that original tone no. i wonder whether it's something like that in the guitar where actually some of that hiss and unwanted noise that brian's tried to eradicate over all adds to it yeah. added to the tone and maybe some decisions have been made with the best intentions but have removed it away from what what we uh -huh. recognize as that definitive tone I, i've got no doubt that any decision with regards to guitar would have been made with the best intentions and would have been made with at Brian's behest, I imagine. I, you know, uh, maybe a suggestion would have been made, and or maybe, you know, one of the, you know, not privy to the conversations that happened, but you know, maybe he said, "Listen, I'm getting this awful kind of sound. It's always been a problem. I've been meaning to do something about it for ages. Can you do something about it?" And it's been done, and it's yeah. the next, it's the next step in the evolution of of the Red Special. Yeah. And you know, who knows? In ten years' time, Guyton might be doing a. a a um a relic of the 2020 um yeah. <laughs> red section you know it's um yeah if, if uh, let's hope he does because that'd be a fantastic thing to own <laughs> absolutely <laughs> <For that time. laughs> 
there's absolutely no way I'm going to survive a marriage with having a third guy in the service. So, no, yeah. well, I only managed to squeak mine through the door because I helped him build some of the stuff for him. <laughs> we, yeah, it, 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 to be honest, you know, it, it, again, me and Guyton, we, we have a fantastic kind of um, uh, relationship, mainly on the phone. We'll see each other once every few years, maybe at a gig or, or whatever. Um, he came down to the shop a couple of years back and, you know, we, um, the shop had to go trying to sell some of the transporters and we, we had, you know, limited success with it, but it's, again, it's quite a niche thing, but, um, yeah, you know, I've been in a fortunate situation where Gartner's a guitar builder, needs bits, he needs strings, you know, he needed boosters to go with the original guitars and this and the other. And I used to say, don't pay me for those, just put it on the tap kind of thing. And, uh, it, um, helped pay for got in number one definitely well, it's good to uh friends in high places and all that and uh helping people <laughs> out but that's how how the world should be is it's trade do something for me i'll, I'll help it back yeah. rather than always money transactions and, and yeah whatnot. absolutely but, and every you know everybody benefits you know it's um that's what that's what it's all about andy it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you tonight you're the longest podcast recording I've done to date. <laughs> We're clocking over two and a quarter hours now. Oh my so, God, um... you have to nip that down. It's probably about 25 minutes of uh, worthwhile material you can uh, <laughs> dig out of that. So what am I guest number four or five? Um, you're a bit further on than that. Oh. Um, will you be number six in recording, but you'll probably be number four or five out the door. Right, okay. Scraping um, the barrel pretty early on then. No, not at all. But I was just—I'm just going to do like a wrap-up with a how to find out about A strings, so you can answer like www.astrings.co.uk, all that stuff, and then <coughs> I'll have another quick little chat off the uh, mic with you, and then we'll we'll chat and say goodbye. But Wicked. Andy, you've been absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much for all of your time today. The longest podcast, but one of the best. <laughs> I think. Thank for you very anyway. much. I, I do kind of waffle on, so you know it, you'll have to listen to this in double time, and it'll only take two hours <laughs> at that point. Then, so yeah, no, it's been an absolute pleasure, and you know how nice it is to to catch up with you. And I think what you, um, I think what you're doing with, like, say, trying to, um, you know, get, you know, like a, a record of, of of this kind of thing on, and I, I just think what you're doing is really good, and it's only going to serve to bring the community closer together, and I've no doubt that. The, um, the following meetups are going to swell in number. Let's hope so. And um, it's all about the people. That's To me, it's about the same same thing you do. Why you do what you do so well, mm. I think, is, is it's about individuals and people and coming together over a common interest. And if everyone goes home happy after the meetup, it's, it's been a successful meetup. And the podcast is here to, to stem that, that gap. And hopefully, if it carries on, it will continue alongside it as well. Well, if you listen to this podcast from start to finish, you should be able to get three listens in between now and the September or October meetup. So it might keep you going. <laughs> no, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for um, for asking me. And um, no, not at all. Thank you for agreeing. And if we wanted to purchase the same strings as Brian May, how do we find out where you are? And yep, so um, astrings.co.uk is the uh, is the website, and um, you, you know, all you're welcome to call us. Um, we're quite active on uh, Facebook, so um, A Strings Guitars uh, on Facebook, and then on Instagram and uh, YouTube. Actually, we're doing um, got quite an active YouTube channel where um, a couple of the boys do a lot of videos, and that's um, YouTube.com/forward/slash A Strings UK. And we're 
we're really trying to push that. So if anybody is interested in anything, there's a few primary videos on there. I did an MV50 comparison. So, yeah. you know, there's that up there. So if you're interested, have a look at that. But apart from that, it's everything else that isn't kind of Brian May, really. So if you're interested in anything else, um, that's youtube.com forward slash A Strings UK. So subscribe, please. Yeah, no, definitely. And if you um, have any questions on gear in general or Brian May, what equipment Brian's using, always have to talk. And yeah. Andy's always got time for everyone. Um, and when COVID's over, a trip to to Andy's store is a a nice break away from any any trip to Wales. Just because you get offered a cup of tea and biscuits, no matter <laughs> who you are or what time you enter. Well, we've kind of spoken briefly in the past about maybe doing like a, a mid-year kind of meetup for the hardcore ones that really do want to kind of um, see each other more than once a year so maybe at some point we can organize a weekend in um, sunny Pontypridd and yep. um, when it's ideally when there's no floods or um, <laughs> so um, yeah but um, yeah you know you're welcome in at any point and make sure you mention that you're an anorak and um, you'll get treated as such <laughs> <laughs> an additional 10% on your bill for the pleasure exactly yeah <laughs> Andy nice. thanks again mate um, keep safe and I'll catch you again soon cheers John and that was Andy Morgan Andrew Morgan he prefers Andrew not Andy if you ever meet him call him Andrew he'd appreciate it but that was Andrew Morgan. Thank you so much, Andrew, for your time with me recording the podcast. I had so much fun and we laughed a lot. And there's a lot of stuff that we talked about that didn't quite make the podcast that we chatted to for hours as well. It was great. And um, yeah, if you, you're in the market for some strings, head on over to A Strings. Have a look for your strings, guitars, musical item related bits and pieces, amplifiers, knowledge. If you're ever in Wales and Pontypridd, head on in. You always get a warm welcome, a cup of tea covid allowing and some great knowledge and some thoughts and you know it's he's built up a fantastic legacy in the shop and he's done an outstanding job so head on over to a strings everyone i recommend a strings a strings a strings and i just want to say now thank you to all of the patrons and fans of the podcast that keep listening keep tuning in each month when i upload a new episode you are making a difference and you are making me want to do this even more i really really couldn't do it without you all and it, it's so humbling to see the numbers go up and up each month and the number of subscribers go up and the reviews coming in. It's um, far beyond what I, I thought it would be. And I'm hoping that I can make this better and continue to move the podcast forward over the coming months and years. I do have a couple of videos coming out soon, one on the Guyton Time Warp guitar and one on the Ariel BMG. So please do stay tuned for those and make sure that you follow us on YouTube, Facebook and Instagram to know when those are live. And also head on over to the website www.redspecialguitarpodcast.com to see when new episodes are going live and any additional content. And if you fancy buying a t-shirt or a mug, you can click the link, go and pick up one of those from our shop. Or if you do fancy becoming a patron, you can now do that straight from the website. And again, a massive thank you to Thomas Brunkard for all his efforts with the website. Thomas, you absolute legend. We must get you on the podcast soon. Anyway, that's enough rambling for me. This is the longest podcast we've ever recorded. Stay safe, and I'll catch you in the next one.